Hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to episode 151 of RPG Digest. In segment one, we read through a tabletop RPG to introduce it to you, and oftentimes to ourselves as well. In segment two, we provide higher level overviews and fundamentals, and even the occasional how-to of systems, settings, and game mechanics. I am John Max Liauslo, your favorite curmudgeon critic and judge, along with me straight back from toppling, toppling two national governments, Brett, Ethan Dog Grissomer. How are you today, sir? I am well. Thank you for asking. Uh, hope everyone's doing all right. Having a wonderful Sunday. Not uh, not being hounded by horrible family and have ample amounts of food and rest. That'd be nice for everybody, right? Yeah. yeah I, actually, I actually had family call me this morning. Why is that? Uh, well, my mom thought today was a different day than it was because my birthday is on Tuesday. Yep. And uh, so, well, actually, my stepdad called me and, you know. Uh, that was nice because he's in like hospice right now. So, uh, so they called me and we talked for a little bit before the stream. So that was nice. Okay. Good for you. And uh, crafty. Look at that already. Yeah, oh, you put it on the screen. <laughs> yes, I did. It's so small for me here right now. Here, let me make an embiggen. There we go. It's Sunday. Have you tithed today? Ah! I'm going to have a Pope hat. Going to do it pass around the collection plate oh talking about tithing let me let me do this oh, update since go. i'm thinking about it um so we have i have a giveaway for the friday night the rando whatever the hell it's called now the rando screen stream on friday nights sure sure and uh the way it works is for every hundred dollars donated or well yeah we'll have a 25 dollar giveaway or 20 dollars depends on the site i'll try to do 25 i can but if the site's only got a 20 dollar gift card it's just gonna be 20 dollars. that's what it is uh, yeah yeah so uh what uh what I do is I have this little battler in the background. And after watching that, I had multiple people send me messages wanting that battler. So everybody's going to be copying me. Who copied somebody else? But everybody's going to be copying me <laughs> with this battler now, apparently, uh, for these giveaways. But uh, it does a little battle in the background. And uh, anywho, and whoever wins, wins. But there are some rules. Well, number one, you have to be watching. Like, if you're not watching, you can't win. So what happens when somebody on Friday wins but isn't watching well guess what you don't win but i am going to do this because people did donate i like black lodge games for example donated specifically to get us to that hundred dollar mark sure so what uh so what i'll do is i'll roll it over like the lottery so oh we'll so the, the next person gets 40 or 50 well no no, no. Ooh, if I didn't it happens again it. i didn't think about it that way i was thinking two gift cards oh oh we should put yeah, if, if you keep if you keep adding it up, you'll at the end theoretically should get more people watching so they can win this this giant largesse that that has been accumulated by fools who don't stay. That's it. Let me think about that. And actually, if you guys who especially those who are on my discord, let me know what you think about that. Should we just increase the size of the gift card or should we give out more gift cards? Now, again, that person wasn't there to watch, so did not win it. He can't come to me on Wednesday and be like, hey, that was me. Too bad. But I do want to make sure that as the donations come in, and, and the other caveat is it has to be unlocked again. So I'm not just going to do another giveaway this next Friday unless we hit $100 again, and then right. I'll do two so, or, or a big one. And I'll let you guys, it, and you can post it, put it in chat here if you want, or I'd remember better if you put it on Discord. Let me know which one you think is better, more gift cards or a bigger gift card. So Nerdy Ogre says- Nerdy Ogre is- uh channeling the average woman <laughs> no but uh, yeah we have to we have to talk about seth mcfulton ten dollars for the liver now 
for those of you who don't know, there's a little bit of a running gag on this on this channel that uh, every time we say the the word Earth Dawn, my wife hasn't given me beer yet. Stop it! I know, I know. You have to drink. It's a drinking game. The problem is today's going to be a bad day for that. See, normal days. Here, let me we're put not up the, talking there. about Earth Dawn. Yeah, we reference Earth Dawn enough to where people noticed and made the drinking game. Today, I'm going to be talking about Earth Dawn. And it's really hard not to say the word of the thing you're talking about when you're talking about it. So, uh, everyone, gird your livers. I don't know. Eat a lot of bread. I got nothing for you, man. It's gonna hurt if you're playing <laughs> the game. Uh, have a have a significant other or a friend nearby with nine one one pre dialed and ready to go because <laughs> alcohol poisoning may be in your future. It's going to be fun. My wife isn't giving me the beer until segment two, though. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, she's curtailing me a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> Nerdy Ogre's got it. Yeah. Uh, and then we got another vote. So now we have a vote the other way. I like more gift cards, more gift cards, more people win. Uh, that, that's cool. Uh, again, uh, for folks that are in Discord, get so I can see it. I'll, I'll basically go with what feels to be the most prevalent uh, that, that people talk about. Because uh, well, okay here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. See, per this right here. I like more gift cards, more gift cards, more people win. You're seeming a little red, comrade. Little uh little little, little <laughs> oh, communist wow. action. No, 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 no. You snooze, you lose. All right. Early bird gets the worm. All the all the beautiful Cliche. capitalist things you want. All right, that's how it works. A stitch in time saves something, something. Something. I don't think that that relates to here, <laughs> brother. Okay, uh, that makes for more and happier players, not just one lotto winner where everyone else looks on to and fails to continue watching once they see the odds. No, you know what? That I disagree because 90% of people don't care about the odds. They care about the thrill of buying the ticket and waiting to see yeah. if they win. That, that's why the lottery does so well. That's like what the this current Powerball is like $1.58, $1.6 billion. You I thought it was why? one already. It, it could have been. It could have been okay. one last week, but it was it was around one point six billion dollars, and uh, no one cares that it's a one in ninety two billion chance yeah, or whatever. Like, they still throw their money at it. If every single person in America bought a lottery ticket, you could still have a no. Uh, nobody win. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. E either again. Either way, I'll, I'll let you guys. Uh, you know, tell me how what you think about it. Again, on on the Discord is where I prefer that, but. Um, and we'll, and we'll see what happens. The battler only goes up to four. I'll have to play it one more time. Four or five winners. Like after that, I can't tell. So if we get up to some point where it's like 10 cards or something, I'll have to run it twice, you know. But uh, hopefully we don't do that. I actually like the idea of giving it out and have people. There is one in there called No Winner. There's one combatant in there called No Winner. And no, it wow. doesn't have any buffs I higher than anybody else or anything like that. And uh, Heathen Dog doesn't know how this works. So I'll, I'll say for him, members are automatically put in. They still have to be watching, but remember, right. it's it's members, so the paying backers, and sure. anybody who super chats during that episode. They're automatically in. They don't have to do anything. Yeah. Well, I have to manually put in the super chatters, but yeah, sure. th those are the people. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to win, super chat. Super chat a dollar. No. All right. So, the people who back are the ones that deserve to get the prize. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if if I had my way, you know, money talks, everyone else walks. Yeah. I'd have them have them double weight. 
<laughs> well, you know, we used to run uh, contests in the past. Oh, Garthon has been around longer th than you for this, but uh, <clears throat> we would offer first place, $150, second place, $100, third place, $50, and we get like three entries. We have 400 people on this, uh, 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 whatever, well, the forum at that point. We have 400 people. Three entries? I'm offering you $150 if you win. Well, I don't think I'm good enough. I saw some, look, here's the history of the winners. You don't think you can do better than that? <laughs> <laughs> but right. people are people. They don't want to put effort in. They just want the freebie. So, yeah. Yep. Put a little effort in, you have a higher chance of uh, chance of winning. So, anywho, that, I just wanted to say that because because uh, you mentioned something about money. I don't even know what the hell it was anymore. And <laughs> but, but this is the point where we talk about our week, and uh, I'm going to go first because yours is depressing. <laughs> it's just boring. <laughs> so uh, last week I went on vacation with my family. Uh, we had several different modes of transportation. This the the main thing was we were taking an overnight train from Chicago to New Orleans. Now, you're like, why didn't you just fly? It's like three hours if you flew, two and a half, three hours, and it would cost the same amount of money. True. <laughs> True would be the same amount of money for coach seats and a flight for all three of us to go to New Orleans, and we only take three hours there and back. But for that same money, we could take a private room, overnight train, as a first-class passenger, which I don't know. I don't know if, if you know, but if anyone who's flown recently, first class is, doesn't really feel like first class anymore, right? Well, first class is just a bigger seat and some peanuts. Yeah, that's basically it now. I mean, before it used to be special. Before you would you would have to have a first class ticket to get into the lounge. Now you know, all you have to do is have the right credit card or even a business class seat and you can get in the lounge. But even if you're a first class passenger, if you don't have that special credit card or this mileage thing or whatever, you still got to pay 25, 50 bucks to use the first class lounge. Fuck you, dude. I, I paid double for this ticket. You can't give me. A... They don't they don't do that for airlines anymore. It, it, it doesn't have the feel of yesterday. Right. Amtrak, they didn't lose that. If you are a first-class passenger, they treat you like a goddamn first-class passenger. I'm going to tell you right now, the first-class lounge in Chicago is like a damn cathedral. It's absolutely beautiful. All of the all of the furniture in there is wonderful. They actually have down-stuffed pillows for you to for you to, you know, relax on. Uh, if you're allergic to down, I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. They have uh, Starbucks, they have a, a little mini Starbucks in there. That's free snacks free not alcoholic drinks free you sit there until oh they have showers also free beds that aren't free that you have to pay for every hour but it's like ten dollars an hour so it's not really anything if you want to take a nap that's fine too it locks you know secures your stuff and then while you're there and your train is ready an attendant comes and gets you takes you and all your stuff personally to the train loads you in to your car and transfers you to your personal first-class valet. My guy's name was Will. He was very nice. Will said, if you push this button right here, I'll be here in 30 seconds and I'll get whatever you want. I'm like, Will, we're going to be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> he was scared after that. He's like, oh no. <laughs> I, I, I feel pig bird stars coming on. 
Yeah, all the meals are free. All the drinks are free. Free alcoholic drinks for dinner. We had breakfast, lunch, and dinner because we were on there for 20 hours on the way there. So we had breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was all free. Everything was great. Uh, free access to the dining car. Uh, you, you can, as a first-class passenger, you can choose to dine in the dining car or have the meal brought to your room wherever you wanted to eat. And uh, unlimited access to the observation car. So, which how much room do you see? That's the thing that would concern. Oh, how much the room? room? Okay, okay. All right. It's a. Uh, it's. It's got four beds. Okay, it. good enough. Okay, you can actually go. You can actually stretch out. Is the point? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, one of the beds is a twin. One of them is a half full, and two of them are child beds, like okay. for kids that are thirteen and under. Anything more than that, it's good. They're they're going to be over, you know, five and a half feet. And they're not going to be comfortable. It's one of the reasons why when I fly international, I always go business class. Always, always, always. I mean, I like the lounge and so forth as well, but I I have to have that verticality. I don't need the office that you get in first class, but I do need to be able to get my seat to go like this so that I can lay down. I get it. So there was makes you soft. Yeah, there there was room for three people. Opulence makes you soft. Ah, phooey. No, no. Uh, the, and riding the train on top of that was an experience I do recommend to everyone who has it. Number one, it's relatively cheap for what you get. I mean, if you get a coach seat, if you're not doing overnight and you're on there for like five hours, you know, going from one major city to another close major city, for example, if you're going from Detroit to Chicago, that's 60 bucks, 60 bucks. It takes about four and a half hours. But that's about the same that it takes to drive in this instance. Well, maybe maybe a little less. But the seats you get in coach are not like airplane coach seats. They're not like these little tiny things. They're, they're first-class seats. They're airplane first-class seats. Hmm. Only they're coach on the train because train has more space, obviously. So even then, it, it's an interesting way to travel. It's it's cheap. You get to see you get to see stuff, and even a coach passenger can go to the observation car and sit down and relax and watch you know, watch the scenery go by. I saw a lot of Middle America going from Chicago to New Orleans on the ground. I've never done that before, and it was interesting. The one thing you're gonna have a problem with there's one of three things that could happen on a sleeping train when you go to sleep. Either one, you wake up every time the train bounces, which doesn't happen a lot because they're frequently used, but it does happen. Or, like my wife, you will wake up every time the train stops. So I had the first problem. My wife had the second problem. And the third issue is my son. No issue at all. He just slept through the whole damn thing. Didn't matter. So one of those three things are going to happen. Decide which one you are by doing it one time. And if you don't like it, that's fair. That's fine. But it was a great experience. And it didn't cost a lot of money. It was, it was, uh, it was part of the trip. You know, it was, it was a, it was one of the destinations was doing this and it worked out. I, I am not, I'm not unhappy with that at all. Everyone was super nice. Uh, they even gave us, you know, extra food or extra drink. If we asked for it, technically they weren't allowed, but we're first class patches. They didn't care. They just gave it to us. It was great. Like I said, you know, trains do still do it right. Whereas planes don't anymore. Well, I think you're trained. Anybody that I've talked to that's taken Amtrak on the East coast has a complete completely different uh i've been warned to stay away from that and this is by multiple people never ever ever take the amtrak whether from new york to like raleigh or from uh uh, dc down to where were they going in dc i think it was florida 
they're like, stay away, stay away. It's it's horrible. But your yours definitely sound different. I wonder if there's just a difference between you know the hellhole of Detroit <laughs> and no, no. You know. Actually, the the way I did it was I didn't want to take a train from Detroit to Chicago, change trains, and then go from Chicago to New Orleans. So I took a plane from Detroit to Chicago using oh, okay. my frequent flyer miles. So they cost twelve dollars a person. Okay. So I did that and we had 11 hours in Chicago. We uh, we took a ferry boat ride. We went to the Navy Pier. We went to the planetarium, saw a show. You know, we we spent the day around Chicago. And then for the last few hours, we went to that lounge that I told you was was a cathedral. And uh, we, we, we stayed there and that was freaking awesome. Cool. So I, I recommend that. Now, the the lounge in New Orleans was straight out of the 1970s. It was awful. It was orange and yellow and it had, you know, vinyl chairs in it and stuff and linoleum everywhere. So I, it, it wasn't great, but you needed a card, to, you need a code to get in and they had free snacks and free water. So that's fine. You know, just spending a couple hours there. That's fine. Whatever. It, it wasn't a huge experience. But even then, when it was time for your train, the New Orleans conductors came and got the first class passengers and took us to the train before all the plebs boarded. So that was nice. Cool. Maybe I'll oh, have to yeah. try a train uh, one time. Crafty says the Metro lines here in California, a good place to get stabbed. Yeah, man. <laughs> all over the West coast is a good place to get stabbed nowadays because, uh, your your people feel like you're invading their house cause they live in there now. <laughs> so, you know, it may not be his house, but he feels it is like now. it's his house <laughs> and he has a, he has a poop covered shiv. So I'm willing to say it's his house. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are we ready to, are, are, were you done or are we ready yeah, to move on? Okay. You didn't talk about your boring week. Uh, my job's making me work now. I mean, that's the same not as doing the, your job. Well, I mean, it's doing. They can finagle it into my job. I'm just being uh, I'm right now. Uh, I'm, they're kind of making me responsible for other people's well-being, we'll call it, instead of just our well-being. But it's because there's no. They still can't figure out. No, it's not that they can't figure out what to do with me. It's. There's no ability for me to do my real job here. And at this point, nobody cares anymore. So and since I would like to keep my job in terms of like not have to look for another one or go somewhere else or definitely take a pay cut or something like that. Mm -hmm. Since they're not asking me to do anything too crazy, like dig a ditch. Which I apparently do on my own on Saturdays. Uh, yeah. Oh, 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 no. Okay. I got one thing. I do got, had some house issues. Oh my God. So I heard, well, my wife heard it. She's like, Hey, I heard some tick, 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 tick. Sounds like some dripping or something, you know, in between the wall. And it's not that I didn't believe her, but I was like, well, I haven't heard it. So it's not a big deal. If it happens again, let me know. So I want to say it was on Saturday of last week. She's like, come here, listen to this. And yeah, there was something dripping from like in between the washer and dryer wall. And, you know, you got that like four inch space between the drywall and then what would be like our living room. So I'm like, oh, crap. So I go, go up into the attic, which is 416 degrees up there. Like, Jesus balls, like south. I understand you're warm here, but there are better ways to insulate the house than what you do here. I understand you want the cheapest fucking bitter. Sorry. Well, there we go. The cheapest bitter. But this is not how you insulate a house. Now, with that said, I go there and I find the main 
pipe that goes from our boiler and our air conditioner and whatever else uh, drains into this main pipe that goes down and then out, right? Well, it's overflowing. I'm like, huh, I wonder why that's happening. So try to clean up the area, definitely got the drip stopped and so forth. And okay, I wiggled the pipe around a little bit. It didn't go down, uh, nothing. I'm like, because I have, it's a pipe that drips into another pipe, which is apparently the old way, like the 1950s way of doing crap, even though this house was built in 2000. Um, So I'm like, shit. So I have uh, American Home Shield. So I called them and they're like, yeah, we'll have somebody out there Thursday. I'm Thursday. My house is leaking right now, dicks. So we're trying we're sopping it up i'm trying to figure out what to do my wife is like after like a day and a half of this and i'm getting really pissed because it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse like it's almost a sieve at this point i can't stop it i tried to go outside i tried to snake it i tried to do a whole ton of stuff like nothing's working on this damn thing um that sunday she's like well we got i I forgot that she had this uh this shop back thing i could be able to suck out the water i'm like that will at least help if we have to do that once or twice a day that's fine let's do that and then when the guy gets here on thursday we'll get this fixed right so i i took the little pipe and i lifted it up like i hope it don't break don't break don't break don't break don't break where does this thing end all of a sudden all the water down so you fucking kidding me so I'm like, all right. So I talked to a few people and I went to work on Monday. I, I talked to a few people as, and they're like, oh yeah, dude, those things get clogged. Um, what, what they'll do is they'll come in on Thursday and they'll suck it out. They'll just put a, a basically a shot back on there. They'll yeah. suck it out. Another thing you can do is you can put some bleach down it. And the one guy's like, thanks for reminding me. I'm supposed to do that once a year. So I got, you know, I was like, okay, glad I could remind you. Um, yeah, the guy, apparently I wasn't here. I was at work, but apparently the guy came over and said, oh, it's fixed now. Out. I was like, he didn't put a shop back or anything up to that. My wife's like, nope, didn't do anything. So uh, I'm going to contact uh, American Home Shield and say, whatever vendor you sent out here suck because uh, this isn't technically fixed. It's going to happen again. Because I, what, what I, I can't guarantee this, but I'm going to say I know happened is that insulation fell down in there and clogged it up. Sure. And fiberglass does not decompose like, like you'd think. Now, I don't think this so is the fiberglass style because I, I, Picked it up and I didn't get all the itchies. Feels was like it at least crunchy. No, it was like cotton balls, man. <laughs> uh, it could be no wool insulation is pretty, it's pretty uh, thicker. You wouldn't say cotton balls. Yeah, it's it was different than because I used to roll insulation when I was a kid, and uh, no, this is the blown stuff, and it definitely was not fiberglass, and it wasn't black either; it was white. So okay. So anyway, um, racist, but. Um, yeah, so so I still want that taken care of. And if it is just a matter of pouring some bleach down there or something, I mean, I can do that once a year. I don't have a problem with that. But I would have liked somebody with a professional tool to shop back that out because we don't have a professional shop back. Like, yeah, there, there's no guarantee you're going to actually get all the clog because you don't have the right tool for the right job. Yeah. Yeah. So so that, there you go. That's the one exciting thing for this week. Okay. <laughs> so I think we're ready to go. What do you think? Go for it. All right, so first things first, as always, I want to thank all of you wonderful people who support us monetarily. Your gracious donations help us to provide giveaways, produce more content, and generally give back to the Legion of Myth community as a whole. We've reached 4,500 subscribers. 500 more to go, and I can apply for Heathen Dog to get manscaping. <laughs> we're, thankful. we're thankful for each and every one of you. Check the description My wife below. Thanks you. What's that? My wife thanks you. Well, we'll thank you. 
Will, Will, thank you. In 500 subscribers. <laughs> That's right, 500 subscribers, and the the uh, the uh, forest gets clear cut. No, what what what? It's actually going to happen is he's going to get like some Pokemon card thing or something to show. <laughs> Uh, anyway, here's what I'll tell you if that ever comes to fruition. What, you know, Heath Dog might not like this part, but whatever we shill will be something that we use and agree with. It's going to have at least that. I didn't say he had to like it. Just, you know. No, use it. It's yeah, like, okay, just, it works. Yeah, there you go. All right. Anyway, uh, check the description below for the links to various Legion sites, social media, Discord, merch, etc. So, all right. Um, that off the screen. That on the screen. Well, you you didn't do your opening thing. What open video? No, no, that that starts after I start the video side. Oh, okay. All right. I have to I have to get prepared. Okay, sorry, sorry. So Prepare you're supposed song. to be the monkey dance at this point. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and scroll down. Is my book ready? My book is ready. I am ready. All right. For segment one today, we're going to finish up talking about Mutant Elysium. And I probably should have, instead of saying the word Elysium on that uh, thumbnail there, I probably should have said Elysium 1, because that's specifically what this is. The game's Elysium, but it's about Elysium 1. But it is what it is. We're going to talk about life in the Enclave, and we are going to talk about what it is you do. If you remember, in Mutant Year Zero, you had the Ark. Mutant Gen Lab Alpha, you had the Resistance. In Mutant Mechatron, you had your work orders. Well, what is it you do when you play Mutant Elysium? And we're going to find out here in just a moment. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of Hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Chill Stream, where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. All right, there we are with our Mutant Year Zero, Mutant Elysium book. And uh, let's scroll, I think it's page 118 if I remember correctly. There's going to be a lot of stuff that I skip. One, because I uh, covered it. Oh, that's not going to be. Uh, I covered it in the first episode. We talked about uh, some of this. And then the other one is because there's just a lot of information here that if this was a strict, just a strict read through would be good. But uh, yeah, here it's, it's too much information for what we're giving out. Uh, where's 118? Oh, that is 121. Did you see that on here? This is the game master section. It says, Judicators are not the good guys. <laughs> 
So, all right. Uh, it's, there we go. Development levels. Now, you might remember development levels from uh, Mutant Year Zero and actually sure. Mutant Mechatron. So, Lysium One is a society in decline. Despite the proud words of the ruling houses, to measure the state of the Enclave, four development levels are used, just like in Arc of Mutant Year Zero. Unlike in the Arc, the development levels in Elysium 1 start high, but then decrease. So if you remember the Arc in Mutant Year Zero, it started at crap and you were trying to build it up. Right. Could you imagine that, though, being from Mutant Elysium and then, okay, you finish this whole thing, right? And now you're out in the world and you're like... Oh, we got to build it again? Well, it failed last time, and we actually had a pristine environment. Now I'm out here in the muck and the rot and the horde, this this whole n- nastiness, and you want me to build this up? <laughs> Come yeah, out. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, just mutate me. Uh, the development levels used in Mutant Elysium are production, security, science, and culture. And all development levels start the game at 80, and that is such a tease. Because it's so close. Yeah. No, no, it's 60, it's 60 plus. That's the highest. Okay, never mind. The levels drop during play as a result of the incidences, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, that occur in the Enclave. Read more in Chapter 10. The efforts of you and the other Judicators can slow down the decline, but you cannot stop it. There's too much going on around you. That's the problem. You can, when you plug this leak over here, three more pop pop in over there. Just, you can't stop it. So, uh, fill in the development levels, yada, yada. So, let's see what they are. Production. So at that 80, so when you start the game, production shuffles along and provides most of the Enclave's inhabitants with what they need. Prices are unaffected. And we'll look at the prices. I think they're on the next, yeah, next page, 119. But at the end here, there's a desperate lack of food and other basic necessities. Looting now breaks out even in the core, which is where all the richy riches live. Power is permanently cut to several sectors in the deep and prices are four times as high as normal, if the goods are available at all. Okay, so as the gameplay commences, everything gets harder, more expensive. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that certain technological levels. I, I, I want to see that because uh, with all the other games, you had to get to a certain uh, development level to have a certain technology, mm-hmm. right? But in this one, when you go below a certain level, do you lose access to that, to that technology? That, um, like to see you that. don't lose access if you have it right now. But you, you do lose, right. Okay. Also, you might find that it's harder to power it, use it, get ammunition for it, read it, whatever. So next is security. Again, starting the game, crime and other incidences are common, but security guards and adjudicators manage to maintain law and, o- and order overall. Uh, common because of the deep. It's not really mm. common in the core, and certainly not common in, uh, I forget what they call the upper echelon. But at the end, when you're down to 20, looting and riots break out in the core. Security guards and even judicators are openly attacked on the streets. Wow. The deep is largely lawless with gangs controlling different sectors. What, you're, what you'll find about the game, when I read through this, I actually read through this twice to make sure that, that I had this feel right. The game starts off very investigative. It starts off very support the house, support the family kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It ends up very combative and support the house, support the family kind of thing. Uh, say you got some prices. So imagine emergency ration of food goes from 10 cents to 40 cents. Yep. Wait, they actually use money here? Uh, credit systems like uh, Shadowrun. Oh, okay. The development of science. Oh, yeah, we don't need this. is science. 
Uh, despite the lack of resources, the scholars of the Academy continue unwaveringly in their work to prepare humanity to return to the surface world. Remember, the whole goal is to go to the surface world, but the reason you don't go there is because it's filled with rot. Yeah, it's garbage. Once they, every once a year, they send people out, and those people come back and go, nope. No, it's garbage out there. Gar but this is a relative thing. At 60 plus, you'd think the outside is garbage. Yeah. But at five? Well, the Academy yeah, it doesn't look empty. so bad, you know? It's, it's, the comparisons are pretty good, you know? It's, so so yeah. at the five that Heathen Dog was talking about, it says the Academy is largely empty. Apart from a few exceptions, all research has been abandoned, and the remaining skilled scientists try to save what little they can of the knowledge they have accumulated. They're hoarding their oh, notes. They're getting ready to leave. Notes. Armageddon's coming. And yeah, I'm not reading the middle stuff that gets you there. I'm just reading the two extremes, but uh, it's on the screen. You can pause it. And then finally, culture. So 60 plus books are a rarity and the salons are worn down. You're like, salons? Yes, this game has tailors and salons. Remember, part of what your presence, your appearance is important, at least at the beginning. Yet the Enclave is a, has a lively cultural life with literature, stage shows, and cinemas. Now, I'm not going to read the last one in this one. Read the second to last one. Okay. Conformity increases, and the few theaters and cinemas still in operation show almost only propaganda works that celebrate the houses and Elysium's great history. Now we get the World War II Nazi films. <laughs> yep. People begin broadcasting illegal messages of protest. Can't stop the signal now. Uh, <laughs> of protest over unauthorized radio stations, despite severe punishments. And that's not even the last one. So, uh, it's not yeah. great. Anywho, so it becomes very dissonant. Uh, everything is like support the cause. And now, some of that's out of desperation because sure. crap, if we're all not all singularly focused, we're all, we're all going to die. But it's also a lot of selfishness because the houses won't give up the power. So it's all singularly focused on the house. We have to be the ones to do this. It's us. It's, so, anywho. Uh, and that's that's all I wanted to say on that part. Now this isn't going to be a new video. We're going to write. We'll run right into the next one. Um, why? Uh, so, and this is on page like one thirty eight or something, something close to that. Got your Gauss rifles, your gyrojet pistols. We talked a little bit about that last week. Is that a trumpet? What the hell is that? Ultrasonic carbine. Well, it looks like a trumpet. Oh, I like that. <laughs> we talked about. I don't know if you watched the video, but we talked about biomechatronics last week and your machine fever. Saw that, yeah. Where it's just almost like, why would you ever? Well, now, I wouldn't put in a big one, but a little one's fine. Now, some of this we already covered. Go back and watch the first video. I talked about a lot of this, so we're skipping to a specific part here. Hopefully, I remember what it is. Uh, is it playing the campaign? Yes, it is. Uh, hold on, I have to make sure. Control. Yep, that is it. So this is the big part of what you'll be doing as the players. Now, yes, I am reading the Game Master section, and I think there might be a spoiler or two in here, but I'm going to stay away from them as much as possible. The point is to let you know what you're going to be doing and how it's going to be done, not to give away the super secrets of what's actually happening in the background. All right? So your job is to handle incidents. You're, you're adjudicator. Something's happening in the world, and you got to go stop it. Or maybe help it. So both parts of the campaign use what are known as incidents. Incidents are events in the Enclave that the PCs as adjudicators are sent to handle. All the campaign's incidents are described in the next chapter, and we are not going to cover that because that needs to be a surprise to you. Spoiler. 
An incident is like a short scenario, but most are open-ended. Oh, yes. There's one thing about Elysium. I don't want to say it's better than the other ones because any good game master can figure out how to do it anyway, but it's baked into the game better is this is definitely more sandboxy. It does have the incidences, but anything else outside of that is to the whims of your game master and what adventure he wants to put you onto this day, or maybe something you want to handle because of your house or because of uh, your relationships that you write up uh, you know, on the character sheet. The point being is this one encourages a lot more sandboxiness. So, okay. uh, open and uh, lack of predetermined outcome, yes. Instead, it is a situation that PCs can handle in many ways. Most, but not all, incidences occur in a geographically combined, confined location, and each incident has an accompanying map. I didn't show the maps, but uh, it comes with the game. An incident is meant to take about one gaming session to complete. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I, I When I looked at them, I felt that I could do more with them to make them more than a session. But I get it. If, if you're doing a convention game or if incidences are almost like a sidetrack to your game, they have to happen. They're the main story. But kind of side to how your, the characters are playing it, I could see that. I would actually embellish them more and make them more than one session, but that's that's my taste. Uh, don't, don't matter. So development levels. Incidences will often affect the development levels of the Enclave. As the GM, you're responsible for recording the current development levels on the Enclave sheet on the back of the book. I can show you guys that if you remind me at the end. Uh, there are special incidences. We're skipping those. You saw them on the screen, <laughs> but we're going to skip those. Uh, so strategic power... Struggle between the houses is a battle for control, and that is... Okay, what page is that? 150? I lied. We're going to do this now. I'm going to show... Oops, a little far there. And now my computer's trying to catch up. You can do it. Okay, all right. So those are the incidences. And is this the control sheet? That's the development levels. That's your house. You'll write the numbers in here to determine what kind of influence you have. So total influence will determine how powerful your house is on the whole. And that's a character sheet. So, Okay, so is there a way for your house to get so much influence that the other houses are basically dog crap? Yes. But then I would say that your players were manipulating the game and not doing what they were supposed to do in the game. Well, houses we, we, all then they were doing mostly right. I mean, they're uplifting their house. That's what their that's their goal, right? But you, you but each each character is from a different house. Someone was really good at it. <laughs> no, no, that <laughs> that could that. well again that could technically happen. Yes, but again, your development levels are going to go down, so that isn't going to matter. Um, here, how about this? I think it's right here. Nope, that isn't it. Uh. This isn't it. It does talk in here about um, crap. I don't want to show that. Uh, it does talk in here about what happens if you have, let's say you have six players in your game. Mm -hmm. There are only four houses. So that means sure. two of the houses are going to have extra Double. players. Right. Only one player gets to make the decision still. So there isn't a benefit to having uh, somebody from an, uh, another house. What with a lot of groups uh, that I've seen online when I looked at forums. They'll, what they'll do is they'll rotate. Be like, okay, Heathen Dog, you make the decision for this week. Max, you make the decision for next week if we're from the same house. Okay. Or they can decide, you're the leader, you figure it out, I don't want anything to do with this part of the game. But, ultimately, 
Uh, at the beginning of the campaign, each of the four houses has a total of four points of control. These four points are assigned in secret. Each player writes on a piece of paper which sectors he wants to have control in and how much, one or two points. These choices are then revealed at the same time. And if you remember when I showed that sheet a moment ago, it showed those sectors in there. Right. Uh, that's asymmetric star. Everyone gets the control they wanted with one exception. If two or more players have assigned two points of control to the same sector, they each only get one point of control in that sector. The extra point is lost. Suck. Well, that's because you guys have been fighting so hard for that control. You've been using up your resources. You've been you know, calling in those chits, so on and so forth. Note that it is therefore possible for some players to start the campaign with less than four total points of control. Wouldn't it be funny if like, every single one that we wanted... <laughs> I have no control. Um, tracking control, we talked about that. Um, total uh, the total control of a house determines how many influence points each player gets at the beginning of each gaming session. Remember, influence are your contacts, are using your contacts. Choose incidents. When voting on which incident the PC, the PC's patrol is, oh my God, PC patrol is to be sent on. That is such a weird sentence for me. Each player will vote with the total control of their house. Whew, let's see if I can read that again. When voting on which incident the PC patrol is sent on, each player will vote with the total control of their house. So that means when you're voting to do the patrol, if your house is winning, high probability you you get to do the incident you want, right? Ah, but that's when the other players cockblock you. Oh. Nobody, if they're playing the game right, nobody wants to just say, hey, let's let uh, the heathen dog house win. No, they're going to be like, hey, we helped you last time. You got to help us this time. No, burn in hell. Well, then guess what? We're never going to vote for yours again. And us three players have more votes than you one player, and you're never going to get a vote again. That's There's... true, but assassination works. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 sure, then another player from that house will take that spot. And... Yeah, and and hopefully he will learn the lesson of his predecessor. If not, then there's an, always an, another new guy. You know, when everybody keeps dying like the uh, Spinal Tap drummer? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Something happens well, you know, if people learn better, it wouldn't be as much dying. There, there'd be more supplication, but there wouldn't be as much dying. Get with yeah, the fair. <laughs> when voting to appoint a new patrol leader, each player votes with the total control of the house. So your control determines how much you get for voting. And these are the different uh, different zones. We don't have to worry about uh, about this at this point this is more of a gm thing it's not that it's a spoiler but it's a gm thing and this kind of shows the uh, control sheet filled in just as an example all right um strategic rounds the player controlled elements of the campaign are managed during strategic rounds typically a strategic round is played at the beginning of each gaming session but it can be done less frequently or at the end of sessions if your group you or your group prefer that during the strategic round, each player... Why am I not zoomed in on that more? I know some of you weirdos look at this stuff on phones. Uh, during the strategic round, each player represents not his PC, but the entire house. Remember, I, I had somebody this is complain... This yeah. is a game in the game. Yes. Okay? This is, uh, this is uh, how, how quickly your world crumbles around you depends on this strategic round system. So it is important for the main game, but 
you are working on a higher level here. You're working on the metagame now. You are representative of your entire faction, of your entire house, and and you, you're you're voting on the direction that your group is going to go in in some fashion. So it does affect the main game, but it is a part. Yeah, but don't see it as, and you're right, you're right, but don't see it as you're playing your character at this point. No. Step outside. Because yeah, I had somebody write a pretty nasty uh, comment about Gen Lab Alpha saying, there's no way that somebody coming in, some young character, blah, 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 is going to be running a resistance. It doesn't make sense. This game doesn't make sense. It's like, no, no. You're not playing your character. You can do it that way if you want at your table, but you're not playing your character at that point. You're representing no. the faction. Step out of your character and put it over here and now represent now, the faction. Yeah, you are a single house representative or if you want to visualize it differently you are a small conglomerate of, yeah. of high house officials and you are voting to uh, as a steering committee type thing on on uh the important things your house is going to do that week that month that year whatever yep. is literally set up as not a role-playing endeavor if you want to do that you can i like that idea but i'm just saying it's yeah. not set up that but way. at its core this is this is meant to be you know super mechanics yes you know it's 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 just meant to be a backdrop for yep. the continuing deterioration of of the game of the livable space in the game as a whole so the players secretly plan and stage incidences in the enclave on behalf of their families we haven't even got into how that that's that's going to be done yet the goal of this game is to increase the house's control in the sectors of the enclave or to reduce the control of other houses this should be highlighted and in bold yeah i got a problem with this kind of game it reminds me too much of the board game republic of rome I don't know if you ever mm, played I've, it. I've heard of it. I haven't, I haven't played yeah. it, but I've heard of it. It is, if, if you want to uh, lose friends and influence people, that's the game you play. If you have like, like 10 people and you want to call your friends, you know, on, on Facebook, you just start deleting people. But in real life, you just play Republic of Rome. They'll fucking delete themselves. <laughs> they'll just they'll leave your life forever because it's that backstabby of a game. And this thing is starting to sound a little like that. And I don't like it. I, I hear you. Uh, generally speaking, I don't either. I don't like games that pit player characters against other player characters. I, now, I don't. They're trying to sidestep this issue by saying, oh, no, no, you're not actually playing your character. You're playing your house as a whole. So yeah, it's but, not, but I still see you there. You yeah, still see me. It feel there. like that at the table, right? Yeah. Because, because you're looking at Joe and yep. Joe's screwing you over. Yep. It's not me, man. It's not personal, dude. That's the worst thing you could say to someone while screwing them over. It's not personal. Then why? They do it to somebody else. <laughs> you know, you do it to me. <laughs> right. No, no. And you and I have talked about this with other games as well. This is something that I think, you know, this is for some people. Some people love this concept and think it adds to the game. You know, in a comedic game like Paranoia, it's just fun. Who cares? But in something like this, it's not as comedic. It gets very, you know, the example I'll use with Ethan Dog, it reminds me of Battlelords of the 23rd Century when you have a Fentari and Eridani in the same group. Yeah. And you just know, just would you two solve it? Just solve it now yeah, before we even get started. Problem. You've got five minutes. Go. <laughs> uh, uh, right. Hang on, hang on. Uh, Kokoshiko says we have yep. to work together at the end. That's the problem. Since the metagame is so antagonistic and it it uh, directs the uh, the degradation of of your whole world it goes against your 
the actual wants and needs of the people. And it's set up that way. It's, it's set up as the reason society is crumbling on all fronts is because the houses serve themselves, not the enclave as a whole. So it is uh, the metagame and the game is antagonistic toward each other. That's why the whole place is failing. And if you don't have that, if, if you make the metagame, which if the players get together and say, no, we're going to work for the, 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 the glory of, of all of us because we're not going to survive. The game has, well, you're not doing it right. It's like, well, that you, 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 can, you can suck my toes because that's what we're going to do it. What, what's he going to do? Quit? He can, baby boy. You can quit. You, 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 the thing is, is, you can theoretically do that. See, I would question certain things that the players do, but I wouldn't be against players saying, look, this shit isn't working. Okay, we I got to stop cussing. This isn't working. Uh, We you know, we're we see this breakdown. Here's where the game master steps in, though. Game master doesn't say, no, you can't do that. That's a bad game master. The game master starts questioning or through the uh, NPCs like, wait a second here. You were sent out to stop this incident and you, Mr. Dude over there, you were set up to encourage this incident. Why is none of this happening? You judicators are, you know, behind the scenes aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing. No, we're supposed to be stopping instances. No, you know what the real score is. You overtly, we tell everybody you're stopping instances. Your job, Mr. Player Character, specific one-to-one that I'm talking to, because I'm your house leader and you're not, is to do what uh, we tell you to or we'll replace you. Now, then it's up to the characters to either pretend to be part of it or to comply completely. Or to risk saying, screw you, uh, you guys are the problem, which isn't smart. That's the thing. If you do it covertly, you're smart. And that is a good player character group. I would even suggest that you should be doing that. Overtly, you need to be doing this. Does that, does that make sense? It does, but it feels bad. It I agree, I agree with you. Bad. You're screwing over the other, the other players at your party with with you know a a relatively important part of the game and it's built into it Mm -hmm. i and you you and i both both hate you know games that intentionally put the player versus the player yep i mean it 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 just it just doesn't feel right but but i but i do want to caution because i know you've said it through the other ones that you were on here about how that concept is dumb and that uh you know if you were the players that that you know, you'd ignore some of that. My point is you can, the game master can't let you ignore it. But yes, you as player characters can ignore it. You just have to understand that there might be consequences. How far do you ignore it? And that's where the good game master comes in and starts to threaten you. Or maybe you guys are really subtle. And just the way the incidences pop out, it works for you. Because ultimately, Heathen Dog has the right of it. This isn't working. You just can't be overt about it. Well, you can, but it has to go, you know, to the childlike route. I mean, someone has to devolve into a child at that point, either the game master or the players. For example, if, if all the players, uh, you know, during this, uh, during this metagame go, no, we are, we're not doing any of that crap. We are trying to help the, the society as a whole, because we feel that's our job. And your house leaders go, no, we will fire you. If you don't, if you don't do this, push like, you well, down the fine. shaft. <laughs> yeah. Throw me down the shaft. Okay. Throw me down the shaft. You get thrown down the shaft. You make another character. He says the same thing. So yeah, the game so master has a choice to make. Mm-hmm. The game master can choose to kill everyone. Every game session. 
or yeah. let it go. Now, who but, was childlike first? Eh, it's it, both of your children at this point. <laughs> but uh, the, the players will get their way or the game master won't be able to play a game. The, the flip side of that, and again, this is something you and I have talked about in, with relation to other games, because you're not wrong there. But we also, unless you've changed your mind on this, believe that players have a responsibility to fit within the setting. Uh, you have a responsibility to take the bait, so to speak. Yes. Uh, now, the best solution to avoid all that is just say, you know what, I'm not interested in playing this game. Like, if that is such a big deal for you, and again, I'm not talking to Heathen Dog, I'm talking to everyone. Sure. If that's such a big deal for the player, then my suggestion would just be like, you know what, this is not a game I'm interested in doing. I See, I would still play it because I want to play each one one time. But I would just play it with this spirit because I know that's the intent and just see where the where the chips fall, where it may. But as soon as I could pick a different character, because, you know, I do like the mutants and the robots and the animals, I, I would go that route in the end anyway. So, yeah, well, for, for this one, I would go the covert route, but uh, I, yeah. I would make sure to try and, and record all the conversations with uh, with my house representative to to be able to blackmail him soon in the future. There you go to get off my get off my nuts you know let, let me do what i want and shut the hell up or i'll ruin your entire family if you can get by with it and i'm not saying you can't i'm just saying if you can get by with that yeah i mean there are many different ways this is much more of a sandboxy game yeah so one of the things i do want to caution with all that said i do want to caution for game masters the houses are not omnipotent and what I mean by that is just because a player character said it or a player said it doesn't mean like, oh, they found out. No, no, no. no. Let the incidences play out as they play out. You know, they have investigators. Don't think the judicators aren't being watched on some level. But they don't just instantly know, well, you were talking badly about blah, blah, blah. Well, how did you know about that? Because I was saying it while I was standing at the urinal talking to myself, whistling, you know, sweet Georgia Brown. Like, oh, what the? <laughs> like how, how did that happen you know don't be a dick game masters at the same time don't be a dick players all right i think we beat that into the ground what do you think yep <laughs> um the incident stage and strategic rounds then become cases for the adjudicators to handle either the pcs themselves or other patrols more on that later staging incidences i'm not going to talk too much about this but the incidences are the actual official parts of the adventures and there are 11 of them each incident is staged in a specific sector, okay? Five of them can only occur in the core. I gave you a little bit of information there, but understand this is how you get the control of those sectors. Each incident has two separate strategic effects, a starting effect and a final effect. The starting effect occurs immediately when the incident is real, revealed. Oh, uh, somebody's attacking. Oh, no. So that's the starting effect. Uh, no, let, let's use a current event. Oh, writers have gone on strike. Oh, geez, the writers are on strike. What's what's going to go on? What's going to happen? Oh, don't, don't go, you dare cross that line, you scab. Hey, adjudicators, you need to figure out what's going on. Go find out why they're striking and get them back to work because, you know, we all want to live here. The final effect only occurs if the adjudicators fail to resolve the incident, regardless of whether it was handled by PCs and role-played or handled by other adjudicators and resolved with a single roll of the die. Now, remember, it's like the uh, the resistance for... Uh, you know, several teams, depending yep. on, on your resources at the time, your population, whatever, uh, you, you can have several teams working on different problems at the same time. Uh, well, in this time frame, I believe it was, what, a month? 
Um, that was Jim that both you know. I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. It, it, well, if it's like before, it would, uh, each each team would work it for about a month, and it would either you know success or failure is determined by a die roll for the NPC groups of adjudicators that you sent doing the metagame. And then one of them is you guys in the real game. So, yeah, yeah I don't think a time frame was given for these because these incidences are at least the ones that are the 11 are pretty role played out. Um, I'm going to give an example of one kind of a spoiler, but I won't tell what happens in it. One's a kidnapping. How long does it take to resolve that kidnapping? So, uh, anywho. Uh, if the PCs handle the incident themselves, the GM will have the last word when judging whether they were successful or not. Sometimes it will be obvious. Sometimes it's more of a judgment call. It depends on how you handle some. Wiping them out and letting Nurgle sort them out might be an answer, <laughs> but is that a win condition, a lose condition, or a hmm, condition? So, And it might just be determined by which house. So typical incidences, typical incident effects are de- are decreased development levels, and changes in the control of a house and a sector. Remember, control of a sector can never go above two and never below zero. Sure. Uh, more than, this is where it talks about more than four players. Uh, around only one player can represent each house. There you go. Less than four players, you have an NPC. The first strategic round, do I want to get into this? The game, each player is no, random. I don't think the mechanics of it is really necessary, just that, that they understand the idea of it. Uh, well, part of this is mechanics, though. Uh, incidents, well, cards, each player. Yeah. How much, how much control and uh, and development levels can you lose if you fail an incident? Well, that that would give the secret sauce of the incidences. Just as an example, I'd have to show because I don't have the numbers memorized. It, it could be, it could be. I think it's two d six for most of them. And what if you succeed an incident? Can you gain development no. levels back? Or is it always going down no matter always what? Always lost. Just, and some of them if have you a win, it goes down by a little. If you lose, it goes down by a lot. Yes. Some That's of them awesome. have Yeah, well, everything's degrading. So uh there is as you know, since I don't have the maps, I actually will skip this because it would be best to show on a map. And there is a picture of it. Um do, 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 do. There are some things that are static. Other adjudicators, yes, you will be fighting. You could potentially go against other adjudicators. Here we go. So, here's an example. Who won? Or who, who supported the incident? And this is where things get a little weird, because there's always going to be one player who wants to stop the incident, and one player who wants the incident to happen. Your job is to not get caught being one or the other. Well, well, stopping think, the incident, I guess, isn't so bad, but uh, yeah, that's your job, right? You, you, you can't be, you know, overtly punished for doing your job correctly if it's your job to stop the incident officially. Well, so each one of the incidences are programmed in by a house. So let's say sure. your house, your house, Kilgore. OK, and your job is to make sure that somebody will just use this word here. Somebody gets murdered. Well, you're adjudicator. You're supposed to stop that. Sure. So you have to somehow ensure that person gets murdered without the other three figuring out that you were, you know, slow rolling it happen. Yeah. So anywho, um, there were a couple of things in here. I did want to uh, assign new incidents, subsequent strategic rounds. Yeah, I'm getting a little nervous that some of this is spoilery. OK, here we go. You play the cards. This is ultimately how it will look on the map. 
if uh, these two are fails, these are successes. If I remember, if I remember correctly, remember I have not played this through. I'm I'm trying to remember the rules. So uh, when things happen, you're going to say, okay, so who controls Hindenburg? Well, this who's uh, who's the green star? I forget. Well, we know this one's Kilgore. Uh, oh, hold on. Yeah, these are okay. I got it. these are failures. This these are undone. These are successes right here. Plus, minus, and zero. Got yeah. it. So, and that's going to tell uh, what you get for. Now the points the control right. Control yes, thank points. you. I can't and remember you the gain, term. Gain control points. You start with four, but if, if you keep succeeding in incidents, you gain plus one, plus two. Now that does that increase your maximum for games going forward in the metagame? It increases your what you, your influence points. Now you, you don't get more control points in terms of you know, going forward. You'll have what you have there for the control. Your house will mm -hmm. gain more control overall. Here, let's let me scroll up. It's easier just to show on here. So, development levels, we know that those just keep going down. Control points starts with one, 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 as we saw before, and you have influence down here, which includes four, four, three, three. That's your total control. Those numbers will change. Yes. So you could get this higher, and you could go down to zero here if you suck. Mm -hmm. But you'll never have more than two in any one, any one particular zone. sector. Sector. Sorry, the game keeps using different terms all over the place. I'm trying to remember each one. So, um, there are two uh, black boxes I want to read, and this is one of them: selecting incidences. Players should think carefully when voting for what incident the PC will be sent to solve. It's often best for each player to try and send the PCs to the incident with the final effect that will be most detrimental what? to their house. Why does it say detrimental? Because the incidences are negatively affecting the houses. So you want to stop the one that's negatively affecting your house. Sure. As the players generally have a good chance of solving that incident. For the same reason, a player generally will not want to send the PCs to an incident staged by his own house. So we're going after House Heathen Dog. I'm going to let that happen. We're coming after House Max. Nope, that's got to stop. Adventurous players can bring it up a notch and try to send the PCs to the incident whose final effect would benefit his house and then sabotage the patrol from the inside to make sure the group fails. That's a little tougher. And this is a risky tactic. His PC will be at risk of admonishment for misconduct. So the easiest way is just to convince people to solve the one for you. But remember, there's always going to be one person in the group who wants that incident to happen. And uh, there was one other black box. Let's see if I can find it. This talks about the step-by-step. So I'll put that on the screen, the strategic round. And you can, uh, you can pause it. Pax, here it is. I think this is the last thing to cover. I'll, I'll verify in a moment here. If two or three houses wish to cooperate during a strategic round, they can form a pact. This must be declared before the players decide which incidents to stage. The members of a pact can show each other which incidents are available to them and coordinate their plans. The members of a pact may not show each other the notes they give to the GM, however. It is entirely possible, possible to betray a pact. A house can only be part of one pact at a time. A pact can at the most have three members, never all four houses. A pact only lasts for a single strategic round, but nothing stops the houses from reforming the same pact in the next round. 
So if you're all getting mad that Heathen Dogs, you know, got all those points up, this is how you resolve that. You have to stop them. Well, what do you get out of it? Well, it doesn't matter what I get out of it. You know what you get out of it? You get out of it, uh, uh, you're around for another. You have the ability. You can maybe stop me later, but we can't stop Heathen Dog if he wins this one. So, Oh, look, Orberg's up to five there now. It was four before. And there you go. Failed, failed, failed. I, I knew I should. I knew there was one in here with the numbers on it. Successful. Okay, I was wrong. I thought this one was successful too. This one hasn't been flipped over. I just didn't know what the lightning bolts were. So this one's successful. Okay. And it looks like the gear people want it. I forget the names of the houses. So, and then window launch end game. And you don't need to see Tom Zarek down there. That's Tom Zarek, isn't it? It does look like him, doesn't it? <laughs> so, um, all right, let me get this off the screen so you're not cheating anymore. Yeah, I did skip. I, you know, I kind of wanted to go through the step by steps, you know, but that would have been another video. And what, while we are doing deep dives, this, I think the overview portion of this is good enough, especially since I don't care about Mutant Elysium. Sorry, <laughs> I'll say it here and now. I don't care All about right. Mutant Elysium. And okay, uh, well, here's here's the takeaway. Okay, every game session you have a strategic route. You have the meta game, and you are not playing your characters. You're playing your house representatives. So this is the point where if you want all kumbaya during the game, you know, we're all we're all, you know, in this together trying to keep the universe, you know, our universe great. Well, this is the part in in your overall game where you can say screw screw you guy. This is this is what's going to be and uh and throw, you know, throw uh traps at everybody else. Cuz you're not but playing it's your not character. My, it's not my character. It's not your, yep, yep you are blameless in this, I'm all right? Playing you're my house. everyone over for the glory of of, of house of, of house Harkonnen, whatever, right? And then when you go play it wouldn't me. <laughs> wouldn't me. It's my house. They're, they're 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 crazy up there. I don't know. I don't know. They're 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 sniffing lead. I don't know what they're doing up there. But uh it's what they're doing. And you see the entire world, your entire world crumbling before you because mommy and daddy can't stop fighting. And halfway through, you can choose as players, I would, to forge a different path to, you know, fix this because no sane person, when they get to a certain point in the degradation of the world by other people for their own benefit, is going to look at that and go, no, I'm going to let them keep living. No, you're not. At some point, there's going to be a civil war and you better be on the right side of that. Whichever side that may be, in your opinion. And, and remember, Brian each house thinks it's the savior yes, yes. so so the there's this idea the that's like we can work together no no it's got i've got the answer you don't have the answer i have the answer your answer it's almost like religion no, my no, god my god's better it. than your god i absolutely get it but even though you represent your house you are boots on the ground you see what they don't see yep. because they're in their lap of luxury that they, they don't they don't see what's actually happening their 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 machinations are destroying your entire society and at some point you have to decide whether you care about that or not because there's going to be a tipping point the first one's going to be when you get below 60 in development levels you're going to go uh oh but then when you get to the next level down U.S. player characters who have seen this happen, seen the faces of the people, all people that it affects, you got to make a decision. Do you keep doing it the, the same way, following the house's rules, doing their doing their back back alley deals and, and machinations and whatever, or do you stop it? And you as you as a player group have to choose. And the game master has to roll with whatever choice you make. 
That's what's got to happen. Because at that point, it would be, it wouldn't be proper role playing to just blindly walk ahead and, you know, watching everything to, you know, to crumble around you. Oh, my house is right, but the world's, the world's failing. That's because my house isn't in charge yet. I got to work harder. Uh, it doesn't make sense. One, there's one thing I, I will put in there and I'm only countering this because there's one aspect of the, uh, of the overall Remember, Each one of these games is a prelude. It has its own story. Yep. There's one aspect of the story I intentionally did not touch upon. It was hinted at. It was kind of talked about a little bit in the first Elysium episode that throws all of this on its face at some point. So, uh, and, and that's the important part that will eventually come out and then really becomes a decision point for the characters. So, and then there, honestly, there are multiple little treads on that, but yeah. at first your house, even, even as a player character, your house is your family, your family, you've been raised in it. You know, you're the best. It, you, again, you can look at almost every world religion. You can look at almost every nationalistic country which throughout time most countries were nationalistic uh you know we're better i mean i lived in i lived in kuwait each one of those countries out there thinks they're better than the country that's yeah. around them you think yeah, you're the right, right example with, yeah after a while though of living living with an abusive family you figure out that dad is you know cooking meth and selling to children your your sister is is drugging and and robbing people at clubs Have you studied history no they don't <laughs> look at the Habsburgs. <laughs> And, and, you know, they are destroying the world and there is absolutely your world, your, your family unit, and the cops are going to come sooner or later and you're going to get dragged into it. Even if you haven't done anything wrong like them, you're going to get dragged into it. So you got to make a decision. Do you want to be around for that and be painted with the, with the same brush as, as your entire family when, when the, when the crap really hits the fan and the people start dying in droves or you want to, you want to go another way. There's going to be a, a crisis point. There's going to be a decision point where that has to happen. There are a couple of them, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, either wait for that or do it earlier. I don't know. I, I would do it earlier, but yeah. I suppose you have to wait for the decision point to come around. I naturally. mean, you don't, you don't have to, but again, when everything is quote-unquote hunky-dory at first, and you, I said quote-unquote for hunky-dory, wow. But when, when, when things are looking as normal as they've been, this is the world you know. Yeah, it's so, it's hard to justify change because there's yeah. no impetus for it, you know. Yeah. But at, like I said, as the developmental levels get lower, yeah, but it's getting lower because of those assholes, yeah, those yeah. people and, over there. That's exactly what your house thinks because they're not on the ground like you are. They don't see it. You have to be a special kind of of retard to to uh, to see all the things deteriorating in front of you and put blinders on. You have to be mm. intentionally stupid. When you when you if you saw the incidences, you could see how you're causing the problem. If you wouldn't be doing these things, this problem wouldn't be happening. Of course, you know, I, I, you know, in the background. Well, hey, maybe you should take out Heathen Dog. Well, but Heathen Dog's trying to solve. Yeah, he's part of the problem over there. I bet you that he's the reason that things have been slow rolled. Uh, the whole point is it's all political machinations, and you know what? I'm not good at political machinations games. So, uh, there are a lot of, there are a lot of examples that are given, oh, no, there are some examples given in the book, some really good examples of how things play themselves out. The thing is, is I felt that they were spoilery, so you might be able to pause where I was going through the book and see some of them, but, uh, where, how houses handle certain aspects. Think about it, You've got a communication. You have, basically have a media empire as one of the houses. <laughs> Don't think that, uh, doctored information can't come out about you. Well, what if you're that house? 
great. You don't have to necessarily worry about doctored information coming out after you, but you do have to worry about, oh, the assassins from, you know, Kilgore. Or no, not Kilgore. That's uh, the military. For Tesco. Sure. Um, so right, any comments? Some chat here. I got to her <laughs> like, really likes the artwork. And uh, the artwork well, about the time where he put that up there, uh, we had the kid with the mask on who looked kind of afraid. I mean, if you live yeah, down but, there, I, I can, there are areas where you have to wear a mask down there. I, like, if, it, like hell, environmental suits if you get way down into the deep. Fair enough. All right, and we have uh, L says, why does all this look like an overly complicated game of terraforming Mars? I don't know. You know what? I've been I've been trying to figure out how to like this metagame as opposed to the other metagames in the in the year zero engine, and I can't. I I am against any game that pits players against players, even if it's in a higher level metagame sense. I don't like it. Even in and, paranoia, because uh, I, I thought you liked paranoia. Well, no, no, because it's all a joke. You're okay, not fair, it's, fair. It's a joke. All right. Paranoia is a joke game. You're supposed to have fun you know stabbing each other back is 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 like is like shooting you with an acme rocket you know whatever that's I got what it's it. okay for. that's fair yeah but in in a, in a in a game like this where you know oh no you have to you have to role play your house even though you know it is not only hurting your the other players it's hurting your whole world as a whole you have to do it shut up yeah i think the main the main purpose of that was to not mimic the other games and to find a new way of having i mean how do yeah. you have in in we're living underground perfect humanity instead of having just a survival based game because there's more to the engine than just yeah. survival but, but you know you, you know you know what my whole thing on that is uh, if it ain't broke don't fix it well it, it it wasn't broke and you fixed it and now it is i i that that's how i feel they broke the meta game in this one and made it bad that's just how I feel about it. Is that it? Yeah, that is it. Oh, all right. Well, cool. Be sure to like, subscribe, share. Um, if you don't like the fact that I skipped over some of the aspects, let me know. If you like the fact that I did skip over some of the aspects, let us know what you think about Aminalism. In fact, I'm going to go one step further. This is the last one of the Mutant series. We're done with Mutant Series. Next week starts Coriolis. And I've already started to reread Coriolis, and there are some things I forgot, so I'm glad I'm rereading it. Uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to go for that. Coriolis is the same basic system uh, mechanics, but with a bunch of tweaks, a bunch of differences. And yes, we are going to cover it in-depthly. So if it seems to... What's that? Is that a word? in It is now. Well, it has to okay. be an adverb because I'm talking about how we're going to cover it. Sure. Uh, we're we're going to cover it... Uh, we're, we're, we're going to go through the entire skill system again. We're going to go through because, you know, I'm not going to ask people to go watch a totally different style of game to figure this one out. And this one has differences. So we've got that. But we've also got spaceships. We've got ground combat. Whole different type of skill system in terms of how you get your skills now. So they're similar but different. And that's why I picked that one next. Uh, yeah, I look forward to covering that next week. So tell us what you think completely of the mutant series which one's your favorite mutant year zero game is it mutant year zero mutant gen lab alpha mutant mechatron or mutant elysium are you looking forward to mutant ad astra or ad astrum i forget what they're going to call it but uh looking forward to that and i cannot wait to cover uh, coriolis uh if you like uh space arabs it's basically firefly but instead of chinese it's going to be arabic then uh, it's game for you so uh check for that out next week
All right. Uh, let yeah, me go to if it. I were to do the game, uh, the the first one we did was uh, it was the it was the mutated humans. Which which one is that? Mutant Year Zero. That's just the core Mut- game. Okay, just the mutant Mutant Year Zero. Arc put on the Mutant Elysium game. The the Arc meta game where no one is against each other, where you're actually trying to you know. Well, that, that's not game. You have I bosses. Know, that I don't know. like bosses. It breaks, it breaks the idea of the houses. Fuck them. I don't care. No, no. But what I'm saying is in the first one, in Mutant Year Zero, you have the bosses that are pitted against other bosses. If they can true, find an true. advantage. True. But you, you know, you weren't actively destroying your world. That's at that fair. Point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the whole idea that uh, there's nothing you can do to to save your society is just going to go well, into the shit. They're out of resources is the main reason. Yeah, get get more. They're trying to. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's what the whole thing of the deep is, and that's why when you get way down there, it's hard to breathe because they're excavating more. They're like, how do we do this? So, but then there are also problems down there. You know, diggy hole. Uh, was it diggy diggy hole diggy hole diggy hole? Uh, yeah. Uh, my favorite. My favorite one is Mechatron. It is. Uh, but I would want to get out of there. And then do Mutant Year Zero. Like, I like the idea of the Grey Death, which I'm not covering, but the Grey Death is a module that combines all four mm. and has you doing some adventures and so forth. But uh, it's neat. Yeah. Pearl likes I, Gen Lab. Gen Lab Alpha. Yeah. I, I like Gen Lab Alpha too. And my, you know, what my only problem with Gen Lab Alpha is mm. I, I, the limitation of animals. <laughs> animals suck. Yeah. Wait. I mean, I want to make my weasel from uh, first edition TMNT. <laughs> well, you know what? The 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 human overlords at Elysium decided that uh, weasels suck, and we're we're, <laughs> we're not going to graph them with human DNA because that would just be a waste of human DNA. No, you know what's actually worse is I got involved in Mutant Year Zero, the tabletop RPG game, after seeing the Mutant Year Zero video game, and the Mutant Year Zero video game has a duck and a boar. Two animals you cannot be in Gen Lab Alpha. How does that happen? <laughs> uh, if you want depressing atmosphere, I can turn on the news and take my pick. I like dark, challenging cyberpunk Night City, but Elysium sounds too much like 1984. And that is, no, that's exactly what it's trying to profess. Think 1984, but with four factions. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it's trying to, to put out there. How dare you call me an animal? Wow. How dare you? Wow. I'm above animals. <laughs> I eat them. No animal has eaten me yet. You want to can I introduce you to a polar bear? I don't I don't I don't take uh I don't take appointments with polar bears. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Um or panda bears. Do you need to step away for a moment? Because I'm gonna go yeah, get my go get my beer. So I will be right back. Well, you keep saying my, your name is Heathen Dog. Yes, but not as an actual dog. It, it's it's more of a, you know, I'm a I'm a godless cur type thing. That's what that is. Jesus, why you gotta be like that? Let's talk about Earth Dawn now. Yeah, everyone drink. That's what it is. Now, I'm I'm gonna say it again when we start the video, but the main idea of earth on and shatter one really because they are this they are the the same world 
is astral space. If you understand how astral space works, you, you will understand that almost every mechanic in Earth Dawn is based in astral space. If astral space did not exist, the, the whole game would fall apart. All of it. Just all of it. So understanding astral space is pivotal in understanding everything else and how it interacts with astral space, how they interact with each other. It's all interdependent on astral space being there and getting it. You got your beer already? No, no, no. She's ma- she's making it right now. Oh, she's making the beer. Okay. Yeah. Well, that. she wanted to keep it cold for me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I know. So are you going to step away or are you... Uh... Yeah, I am. But I got... okay. Have you ever been bit by a mosquito? Then you've been eaten by... No. No mosquito has bitten me and survived the experience. Yes, sure. They've a mosquito has taken my blood before, but never, ever has it survived to tell anyone else what I taste like. He died with that knowledge. Hope it was worth it. Just because now, I can, I'm going to be pedantic for just a second. She died. Only female mosquitoes. That's bite. that's fair. That <laughs> so, is fair. No, that is fair. The more you know. No, who cares? Nobody that's gives true. a shit. Yeah, uh, male mosquitoes don't don't bite. So there you go. And and out of the out of the many species of mosquito, there's only three or four that actually bite humans. Oh, see, there we go. Yeah, cat face. Yeah. Oh, anyway, I'll be back. That's it. Second. That's all I get. Is it just beer, or did you mix it? Oh, where's the rest? No, you don't get to have it. My wife is stealing my beer from me. Somebody tell her she's not allowed to do that. Don't shoot vinegar at me. <laughs> All right, I have my beer. You know, I'm just going to start with one. Hmm. That was all foam. Uh. All right, so yeah, looking forward to this. We haven't talked Earth Dawn in a long time. And part of the reason for that is... Uh, I am so anti the current earth dawn creators like i don't know what the original creator is lou prosperi who made first edition earth dawn may be a, a crazy weirdo also i don't know but i've never heard it and it wasn't in his game and yeah so there, there's literally nothing that uh that's that's how you're supposed to do it now he might be a right winger might be a left winger you might not care about politics at all he might be the next uh insert uh you know che guevara or uh, I don't know i'm trying to think of names that make people upset uh donald trump you know who cares he didn't put it in his game and it's unfortunate that uh the current fourth edition creators decided that they wanted to proselytize out there all their politics constantly you know while again not just from personal accounts but from you know the the october surprise is a perfect example they cited the company it worked for when they put that out there so i want nothing to do with them and of course they've got me blocked anyway so who cares there are good people that work at fasa it's unfortunate that uh they don't have control we'll just say over the current version of the game because there's a lot to like about the current version of the game and one of the things that i wanted to do is i'm I'm still thinking about doing this is comparing first edition fourth edition because i always talk to people when they're like max what edition of earth on should i play ah i have two and i'll see if heathen dog agrees with this I, I don't know how much you know about the editions though uh but uh, I say I don't play know f- much about fourth. Okay, uh, and I I don't know anything about third because everyone who talked about it did not have a good look on their face. <laughs> there are some people who really like it, which is unfortunate. But yeah, mm. um, either play first edition with the second edition skill set, 
The second edition, the one thing it did right, the only thing it did right, was it actually had a very good dividing line between skills and talents. It, it, it worked wonderfully. The uh, Or I say play 4th edition, but, because 4th edition overall I think is a better, I hate this term, but it makes sense, here's a better balanced game, is a game that's better, and I don't mean like one for one, I'm just talking it makes more sense in how everything works, with the caveat of combat. Combat is a freaking... It looks good on paper until you actually do it. And as somebody who's run fourth edition multiple times with the co- with the current combat system, I can tell you that people do not like it. So just for combat, not for anything else, bring back the first edition success system, the yes. the ch- the chart. Yeah, um, very good, excellent, extraordinary, yeah. whatever. The two purposes for that are because number one, uh, he, well, here he you played Earth done. Here you yeah. go. You your target number is a ten. Sure. You roll a 21. What does yep. that mean in first edition? Well, in first edition, uh, your success level is, is how, how much you beat the target number by. So if I just rolled a 10, I, I run after roll an 11 because it's a threshold. Thing. No, no, no. Anyway. It's, 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 t- it's, t- it's 10 or better okay, would be 10. a, a, a normal target success. Target threshold. So I roll a 10. That's a regular success. And then I get, what, five over and it becomes a good success? Was it? No, no. It, that's it, the, it, cur- it that's the, cur- the number. Yeah, so I can yeah. I picked ten because it's the one that we liked and had memorized. If you mm. get a ten, don't worry about good because good nothing changes. But you get an excellent success with a nineteen or higher. Yeah. Now why is it nineteen? I don't care. But that's what it is. It's nineteen. So and this is why I picked ten, and this is also why I said he rolled a twenty or twenty-one, whatever the hell it was. Because in first edition, all I do is I look at that chart and says, oh, you beat a nineteen, you didn't get a twenty-four. Fine. Guess what? You got an excellent success. That's an armor defeating hit. Freaking awesome. That means he rolls his damage and none of my armor Five matters. Armor. Yeah. If, if he's rolling, you know, uh, let's say he's rolling a, a, a D10 and a D8 for damage. And what's average for that? D10 and D8. Uh, that's going to be uh five and a half and four and a half. So that's going to be 10. 10. Okay. There you go. He rolls a 10 for damage. All 10 goes to me. If I had an armor rating of 10, which is literally the armor rating of some of the creatures in one of the modules. I soaked it all up. Ha ha, you did nothing, even though you had that nice, awesome roll. No, he got that nice, awesome roll. He gets to bypass the armor. Well, now here's second edition. What did we say that you were rolling for your dice? A D10 and D8? Yep. Remember that. You roll. Okay, and you you get that 20 or 21. Let's say 21 because it's in one off. You get that 21. Well, for every five points higher, you increase your damage by two steps. So you had your dice ready to go for go for damage. Now you have to recalculate. Say uh, you 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 beat the target number by ten. Now instead of a d10 d8 turns into a d10 d10, which turns into a d10 d12. Okay, I got to change my dice. Yep. Okay, change my dice. All right. And then you're slowing down gameplay at that point. And I will. They had their dice ready. All of their dice they need are is written on their first edition character sheet right away. All the math is done. You just look at the result and roll it, and that's it. But with this new combat system, you have to recalculate your dice every time you successfully attack, depending on how well you hit. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's not just bogs down play, because people can get used to that over time. The worst part was that I had new players in the game, new players to Earthdawn and new players to gaming as a whole, and they rolled the wrong dice about 50% of the time for damage because of that. And uh, how do I add two steps on? How do I do this? Yeah, you figured out over time, but that, that was way too clean. So much easier to look at the chart, and it's excellent success to get an armor-defeating hit. 
What did I do for extraordinary success? This is a house rule. You added a d4 to damage. That was just you. Yep. I added d4 to damage because I wanted to give something a little bit. You rolled really well. So anywho, that, that's why I saved. Now, the rest of it, that five point difference, like if you want to do an investigative type thing, more information for every five points. This gives you like 10 blocks, 20 blocks, infinite number of blocks that you can have. However well you roll determines how much you find out. I think it works well there. It just does. The fourth edition does not work well in combat. Everything else about it works great. So yep. that's why I say fourth edition with first edition combat or first edition with second edition skills. Notice I never say third edition because third edition did something that unfortunately fourth edition continued on with, and that was homogenizing the disciplines. And they're no longer special. Now, uh, for everyone here, I'm going to be talking about astral space. I'm going to be talking about patterns. We're talking about that in, in first edition terms, which means they are special. Your discipline is different than every other discipline, not just in what you do, but how you think about it, how you, how you think, how, how you have altered your own pattern. And that's important to use your magic, to use magic your way. And thinking like a warrior is just as much as an important thing as fighting like a warrior. Yep. And I have videos on that. I have, yeah, I have, I have every, every discipline. I'm going to lightly touch on that. Okay. It's not going to be super important for astral space generally, but it's it's something that needs to be noted. Okay. So before we start, let me just uh, real quick. Would Earth on First Edition be a good starting point if you haven't played it? Yes, but yes. I will tell you that the game does start to slowly fall apart when you get to the companion book because I don't think it was play tested well. <laughs> Ninth or Tenth Circle, it gets weird. Yeah. After that, it, it gets weird. If you play 11, with the 12 and 13 is like God mode most of the time. It's <laughs> yes, crazy. it is. Yep. It is freaking God mode. Uh, you're, 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 you're walking over everybody at that point. It's like, Oh, when, when you're say eighth circle and you're fighting two seventh circle NPCs, it's a tough fight. When you're 11th circle and you're fighting three ninth circle people. No, it's, it's, it's just as ridiculous as fighting three first circle people. It's just as easy. It seems. Ask be, yourself this. You are so OP at that point. Do you like anime? <laughs> Because this is one, actually one of the things I've even said back in the 90s. Yeah, when, when you get to the master level in disciplines, you you are Goku. Yeah. You and know, that's for every just, one of the disciplines. Know, yeah, you you are Piccolo destroying moons be because he doesn't like the way it looks today. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, you, it, it feels that weird sometimes. The number but one if you're doing it right, it takes a long time to get past tenth circle. A long time. And if you're me, it's even it right. that. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the game itself is, uh, you're going to start off actually feeling underpowered. I even think compared to D&D, a first circle freshly made character, I think feels even weaker than a D&D &D character. And I yes. say that because you're rolling, what, a D, like a 2D6 to try to hit a target number of 9 and 10? Uh, a lot of but times. The, the thing is, though, though, those 9 and, and 10, physical defense, social defense, magic defense, whatever, uh, characters are usually are always going to be disciplined as well, which means they have magic powering their stuff too. But the only thing you will feel OP at fighting at first circle level one, basically are people who are zero level. Yeah. They will die horribly to you in, in every scenario. You know, I, I laugh. Mm, no, 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 I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. No, I can I'm, take I'm a, a non-disciplined character and beat a first circle. A first level warrior against five zero, uh, a first circle warrior against five non disciplined bandits. Th th those bandits better have said they love their mama before. Nah, they got I, there. I'd whoop that warrior gonna, easily. They're not going to get a chance. 
I'd easily whip that warrior. All I needed, because because no. the skill. What do you what do you have as a first circle warrior that can? You have advantages. Absolutely, air yeah. dance, for example, avoid blow. Yeah. But uh, so they don't have it. Uh, actually, I think they can have avoid blow because I don't think there's a discipline talent. But no, 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 no. If, if it requires strain, you can't have it as a skill. I have to look it up. I don't. It's been a long yeah. time. But in, even in still, first edition, if it requires strain, it's too magical. You can't use so, it as a skill. But either way, I can just have a skill rank of three. You don't. You might, but I mean, I have a skill rank of five. I mean, there are no levels when it comes to, it's just, I could have a higher rank than you. But the thing is, you're not going to have that because uh, it takes so long to advance skills. So, well, so much true. actual time yeah. that they're going to be old men. You know, if if, if, if you <laughs> see a bandit and, and he's like 50, you stay away from that yeah, dude. All right. You, you stay go. away from him. All right. But if you see a bandit, he's 18. You're going to mop the floor with them as a first circle anything. Well, maybe not wizard, but a first circle almost anything. You're going to mop the floor with that dude because he's too young to, to actually learn anything the hard way. So skill rank of 30 would take 39 years. I don't need, I thought, I thought everything stopped at 15, but I could be wrong. But, uh, uh, and I don't know how to say this. And stocky and as talky, uh, thanks for being here. It says a circle 15 spell from the companions are crazy. Look, just look at city in a bottle. Come on. That's great. Yeah. yeah like, like I said, you, you, you get over, yeah. you get over 10 circle. You're, you're just getting into demigod territory. Yeah. Which so, I understand. I understand because the whole game is about building yep. your legend. Yep. And excuse me. And at that point, you are the legend. I mean, you're no longer the hype. You're the real deal. So, yeah, ultimately, and this isn't the conversation we're going to have today, but the one thing I would caution a new player getting into this is that it's going to start off seemingly a little underpowered. Yes, high magic still, but seeming a little underpowered. And then the first couple of circles, you're going to grow. And then, especially if you're playing first edition. Fourth and fifth circle are the cutoff points for two different reasons. Fourth circle, you now get your uh, your uh, pattern. Um, what the hell is it called? Thread yeah. weaving. Thread Except weaving. for the spellcasters, by the book. Right. Yeah. For, they get it first circle. Right. They but, get it first circle. So there you go. But you'll get thread weaving, and then at fifth circle, you can start doing your pattern. Um, uh, what, what's it called? Uh, pattern magic. I, I forget. Not pattern magic. It's um. The hell's the term? It's been so Half long. Magic. Where you can bind yourself to do like you've group patterns and um oh right yeah 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 you get a couple more uh, you can be a quester and a light bearer and right. you're what you're gonna find out isn't you don't have to go up in circle to become more powerful <laughs> you start binding yourself to the right magical items and and those cost legend points same as experience points you start binding yourself to your group who cares that you're only six circle? It doesn't um, matter be, be, because uh, you've, you've invested all this time and legend and energy into forming your group pattern. When you're with your group, you're like plus five this, plus four that, yep. plus three, plus two, eight steps, seven steps higher. You know, when, when you're with your group, you would always want to be with your group. This game actually uh, uh, rewards a group that is yep. tight knit and, yep. and together you become almost exponentially more powerful because of it so why wouldn't you want that you'd want to get along the more you get along the more powerful you get Ooh, and it, it can get weird we're not even that on topic story. yet but we're getting some good questions here what are some good adventures to look to, to understand Earthon's core gameplay better i think the public the original published modules that the two that i like the two that i almost always run in some order is i will run uh Maybe terror in the box. skies uh and the other Maybe. one that uh, there's uh the the one where you fight the jehuthra um uh, something the mists um hold on 
Oh no, yeah, in the mist. I get it. I get it. But when when you get to fifth circle, you have to run blades be, because that that is a that is a really really good long term adventure for for uh for having the players really miss a betrayal. Yes, for for really uh getting into their group pattern, making it better, making it cooler. You know, really really increase the the group cohesion and the group power. But Miss a Betrayal is an excellent first through fourth circle, uh, first or fourth circle adventure. You you get some some pretty potent magical, a couple of potent magical items at the end of it. Good contact. Yeah, and uh, and uh, knowledge of the world, how patterns work, how magic items work. It's a, it's a real good primer early on for stuff like that. So Heathen Dogs so, yeah. Party just died in that one horribly, but on the old Strands website, and only old school Earth Dawn players are going to know what I'm talking about, but uh, on the old Strands website, there's some uh, good forms. I think Lou Prosperio is part of this. Talking about there are other ways of spending legend points. Legend points are there to increase your legend. That's why you spend them to bind to a magic item. That's why you spend them in order to gain talents. That's why you spend your legend points. It's all about building your legend. Well, one of the uses that I saw in there was using legend points to help rolls in an emergency. And I remember every one of them got webbed and feared, or terror, it's called, you know, in this one. And it was Bob that ended up breaking you guys out because he decided to spend some legend points on increasing his role. And, and the way I did is you had to declare beforehand how many legend points you're spending, and then I would base that on your circle and then increase the role by X number of steps. And because he did that, he busted out of his terror and was able to start breaking you guys free, and then you beat it. But yeah. So... All right, let's. Um, I know you guys have a bunch of questions. I'm going to start starring them now, but Heathen Dog's got to get to his set. Otherwise, we're never yep. going to get to a segment. I'm glad you have Earth Dawn questions, but uh, let me get to, to a segment and we will still ask them uh, just later. All right, for segment two today, Heathen Dog's got a three parter for us all about astral space, and I'm going to let him introduce this stuff to you. So, what do you got, Heathen Dog? All right. Right now, we're going to talk about what astral space is in a, in a very general sense. This is important because Earthon and very much Shadowrun, which is its companion game, the idea and the mechanics behind astral space are pivotal to almost every other mechanic in the game. Everything, your, your magical abilities, magic spells, uh, physical augmentation, magical items, they all rely on the mechanic of astral space. To understand astral space is to understand the other mechanics of the game, so let's get to it. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Show stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. All right. Ooh, is, this, is this the CD? This is the CD. It's, yes. Oh, now, uh, if you can find this, that's awesome. If you can I have find it. this, this this is an excellent version of the main book because it comes pre-hyperlinked, so you can just click mm -hmm. on it somewhere and. Bam. I was going to ask you if you had a copy of the book because all I have is the CD, and there you go with the I CD. Have that's I have both. That's and nice. I decided to use the CD one just because it was cooler. If you can find it, get it. 
you know, if it falls off an internet truck, whatever, but <laughs> you know, find it. It's, it's a, it's a, it's one of the more excellent uh, PDFs for Earthon because it has the First whole hyperlink thing and none of the mouse, none of the other ones actually do. But we are going to start going to page 341. When we're talking about astral space. Now, the idea behind astral space is that it is a separate dimension inside our universe. It's just as real as the physical world. Only a little bit uh, Tales from the Dark Side, or more appropriately, kind of like the Matrix. Think of it this way. When Neo is learning about the Matrix, he learns that what he thinks is real is actually code. And at the end of the first movie, he can see that code. That's like seeing astral space. It's the code that where it holds the blueprint of everything that is represented in physical space. Now, does that make it superior? No, they're interconnected. Physical space affects astral space. Astral space affects physical space. You take away one, you lose the other. They're intrinsically connected. And we're going to, I'm going to explain that later on, but you have to have that understanding that astral space is intrinsically connected to physical space, but still has a demarcation is a separate dimension. All right, let me move on from that to uh, current high level of magic. Because remember, uh, in Earth Dawn and in Shadowrun, magic comes and goes in 5,000 year cycles. <laughs> it ebbs and flows. There's 5,000 years of magic, of varying levels of magic, up and down. And then there's 5,000 years of no magic. Until... <laughs> And then it's, well, no, this is the idea. I'm not getting into that. I, but, I uh, and then it swings back the other way. All right. Right now you are on the declining side, theoretically declining side of, of magic. And this is the fifth. No, well, the real quickly. Point. Why, why is it important that magic is declining? Well, astral space is the conduit to many other dimensions as well. In, uh, I believe they're called nether realms in earth on and in, in, in Shadowrun, they're, they're called something else. But they are other realms that have other life forms other than the name givers or humans or whatever. This is where the horrors come from. Horrors are alien beings from other, from other uh, sub-realms from astral space. That demons, just they're demons. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. They, they're, they're, they're either demons or Cthulhu-esque there you know, you go. beings that uh, that can only enter our world when magic is so high that they can transition into our physical world from astral space. And that is only at peak magic. So, you know, several hundred years at the peak of that 5,000 year cycle, that is... It was bad the... and we don't have time to get in the entire history of Earth on there, yeah, but yeah, he's absolutely but it's right. Bad. When the horrors come, the world, the you know, the all of the Mercator maps change, all right? Everything, <laughs> it, tur it turns bad real quick. All right. And there, there it's, it's, it's basically a cataclysm level event, whereas 99% of the population of the world is destroyed and you hope you don't have a genetic bottleneck and, and have, you hopefully have 5,000 years to repopulate that. That's what you got. They're a force of nature. They just happen. All right. But they come from realms of that are connected to astral space because astral space and the physical world are intrinsically connected. If magic is high enough. You can jump from one to the other. Now, how do you see astral space? How do you know it's there? How do you connect to it? Well, that's several several kinds of astral sensing. 
there are levels of astral sensing from weakest to strongest. And it varies from an intuition or feeling to outright, I can see it all the time, along with the real world. To me, they're visually one. That's the higher level. You have the lowest of the low, the low levels, the non-spellcasters, but they're still disciplined. They use magic, but it's different. It's weaker, especially with astral sight. This is called thread sight. This is when your 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 average discipline non non spellcaster character gets to be four circle, and he gets thread weaving talent. He can now attach threads from his pattern to other patterns, astral patterns, which means you have to have at least some ability to see astral space. It's going to be horribly myopic. Basically, what you're holding in your hands or directly in front of you, and not the several layers of the astral pattern. You can only read the outer level, outer layer of this particular matrix, just enough to attach a a thread, a a a, a, a gossamer thread from your pattern to the pattern of the item, unleashing its magic into your pattern. It's like a flow. You are now energized by this other astral pattern. And you are stronger, or the or the item is stronger, or the place is stronger, whatever. But you have to be able to see it. The weakest thread sight. Then it goes up. Astral sense. This is this is a spell or or an ability of of uh, of some magical items where you can sense astral space around you, not really see it, but you can sense things that are there. Like I know there is an astral a ghost right here. I can't see him. But in my mind's eye, I can visualize it. He's right there. It gives you more information than the myopic thread sight, which is basically what you're holding in your hand or have like right up on your eyeball. But there lacks detail. And then there's astral sight and uh, windling sight. Astral sight <laughs> actually... Actually, uh, you shift your vision into astral space. You can now see astral space. You can see the matrix, just like Neo at the end of the of the of the first Matrix movie. You can now see the patterns all around you, and you can study them well. You can study layers of them if you have enough time. Peel back the layers of this particular pattern onion. That's great. You now have you can gain more information about astral space around you. Less things can be hidden from your sight, and you are much more effective. Spellcasters can use the spell astral sight. Windlings have this. They're like they're like fairy. They're like they're like a fairy race. They're Eighteen like, inch tall weirdos. Yeah. Eighteen inch tall. They got wings. You know, I, I wouldn't want to play one just because I'd be instantly made fun of by everyone at the table, and rightly so. But they have the ability to naturally see astral space. If this were Shadowrun, I'd say they were dual-natured beings. They exist both in astral space and physical space at the same time. But they can shift their perception to astral space at will. I think it costs one strain, but whatever. But they also see in that precise detail of the spell astral sight. And then there is dragon sight. Dragons are the true dual natured beings they they're they're all of their senses exist in both the physical world and astral space at the same time you get the most detail you usually get the highest amount of dice to roll to to perceive because it's basically ingrained into their dna they live the magical world at the same time as the physical world it's their natural element both places at the same time 
Did you ever run into a situation or a problem? Because I struggled with this a little bit, where you'd have one character at the table with astral sight, another one with astral sense, trying to divvy out the information that they see. Because what would always happen is the person with astral sense would go first, and the person with astral sight would go next. It's like, why? Come on, guys! <laughs> like, mm. like, okay, you see a cloudy blah blah blah. Oh, you see the detail and the pock marks is like, ah. What what I would do in that situation is if two people were using two different astral senses. At for, for, for the same event to do the same thing. I would say, hey, you know what? Uh, have the person with astral psycho first and the person with the lesser, with the lesser sense, astral sense or thread sense or whatever, would go second, but he would he would get uh, an, an extra step for every level of success the astral psych guy saw because he can explain what he's seeing and then the astral sense or the thread psych guy can go okay well then i'll start here and it's it's more directed i would allow that to happen so everyone can have the same information but that yeah, doesn't it, happen a lot of times because that was actually your group did that as well where it's yeah. like so the you'd have one person do the astral sense and then the next person do the astral sight it's like can we just do the astral sight no i'll do it if he if his sucks like it's like I have to describe this twice now, and it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. But that's, you know, that's just the way it is sometimes. Now, uh, matri- point you- blank matrix site can see a spell matrix. Yes. I, I, I just said matrix as in the movie, yeah. just to give a visual of what astral. Well, I think with an excellent success, but we're getting too pedantic into the rules with that. I think with an excellent success, though, uh, uh, astral site can as well. I'd have to look up the rules. It's been a long time. Yep. So what do you do with this site? I mean, I, I spoke a second ago about using thread site to attach a thread from you to something else. You need to sense astral space to do that. The better you sense it, the, the easier theoretically this, this would be, but what's the purpose? What's the reason? I mean, what is it for? Well, let's find out because patterns are important. Yes. Patterns. Every single thing in the physical world is represented by an astral pattern. It's the blueprint of what it is in the physical world. If you can sense something's astral pattern, you can sense deep knowledge things about it. Because the events that happen to a a place, a person, or an item in the real world is recorded invisibly to most in the astral pattern of the item. Here's an example. A magical item in Earthon works differently than magical items in other games. Sure, they are magical items. They have actual pat they have they have very very intricate patterns which make them um, uh, which makes it a magical item, but it won't work. It needs to be powered by a living pattern. That's you. If you connect yourself to a magical item, it activates the magical item and gives you the bonuses. The more you learn about that item to see how many layers are in this onion, the thread, which at first is very thin, spider-like thread, grows in power and penetrates deeper into the item's pattern, you unlock more powers of that item. It just doesn't have to be an item. It can be a place. If a, a significant event happens at a place, it can, it can get its own true pattern, which means it's now a layered pattern, multiple layers of intricacy and complexity, which now can channel actual magic. If you attach yourself 
to this place, when you're in this place, you will get special abilities or enhanced abilities or special powers. All of those things are named with a capital yes. N. A, a pattern that is magical is a named pattern. It's not just the gazebo. <laughs> okay. It is the gazebo of Horus. Why? Because the god Horus came down, set foot in this in this gazebo, and was murdered by Osiris. And this is where his uh, his organs were ripped out, put in jars, and spread across the planet. A significant event happened here, and the magic that it provides, people other names, uh, other name patterns attached to it, is based on the history of the place. So. In this place, a god touched down here. Initial powers, you attach yourself to this to the pattern of this gazebo of Horus, and now you have maybe the resiliency of a god. You get bonuses to your wound threshold or bonuses to your, I'll quote, uh, for lack of a better word, hit points. But as you strengthen your thread, it penetrates layers of this complex pattern, you get more powers. Now you have God's sight, maybe. Maybe you, you can see astrally as long as you're in the gazebo, naturally. Well, that, that like would follow you no matter where you go. Usually, uh, at least I think it should follow you. But if you got severed from that, number one, it counts as a, uh, as a thread. Yeah. And two, um, now I can trace you to that place if I'm really, really, really smart. And no, well, uh, we're not we're not talking about ritual I, magical and stuff no, like that. We're no, not no, talking no, about it's not that. ritual. What I'm what I'm saying is like you were you were talking about that uh, you only have it there. No, you would have it anywhere. It follows you where once you bind that to that point, you would have it anywhere you go. But there's I just want to let people know there's a weakness to that. You can be found out, or that can be found out and have it severed. You have a permanent anchor. To yeah, this place item or person. That means if they find the place item or person, they can follow that thread right back to you. They can cast magic theoretically through that thread right into you. That's it's not, not a good easy, but it can be done. It's not easy, but it can be done. And it bypasses most of your defenses that you'd have put up and it, you're going to have a bad time. So leaving these places, items or people alone, <laughs> unguarded, not a good idea. That's yeah. that's not that's not something I want to get into right now. No problem. Uh, names well, there's your names. names. <laughs> like like I said, items and places get names through specific through her heroic or legendary acts or things that happened in the locale. That's how they become a true pattern. How they become a complex enough pattern to funnel magic through. Now, there's other things you you can do. Uh, other things you can attach to people. People. Every single player character is a name giver now a name giver is very important because a name giver is someone who can name things give something a true name which has the power of making it magical now you as a name giver you also have a true name which means you are also a complex pattern you are a magical pattern so theoretically you should be able to attach yourself to another person right yes that's a group pattern or one one example of that is a group pattern where you attach yourself to the to the threads of your P, of your PC playgroup, increasing your powers, all of them, from all for all you know characters, because there is now a magical feedback loop going from you to him to her to him to you, and it gets stronger and stronger. 
the more the more patterns are that, that are in, that are you know, included in your group pattern and how strong the threads are how 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 thick these pipes these magical pipes as a as a you know someone else would say about it but uh so a, attaching threads to things activates the magic you must activate it by connecting yourself to it and then it happens why because astral space works off of connection astral as your astral self is connected to your physical self your physical self is connected to astral that what keeps you alive lose any one of them the other one dies the connection is important astral space all about threads and connection now what what have we learned about astral space well it is a dimension that is the other side of the coin of physical space they need each other astral space is where all magic comes from Astral space is connected to physical space by threads and patterns. This is what empowers magic in the physical world. Even if you are a non-casting discipline, say a warrior at, at second circle, you can't attach threads to things. You can't do this. How do you use magic? No, every single talent that you have, every single power that you possess for being a warrior is magical because you have altered the pattern of yourself you have become a warrior you have changed your name your name give remember you can name things which means you can rename things you're no longer chuck you're the warrior chuck which elves actually do now, that as part of their life cycle exactly you can actually use magic because you've altered your pattern to connect to astral space in a specific way to create magical effects for the warrior like i said astral space is pivotal now in the next video we're going to get into uh the actual uh, some pattern items spells and talents how they're actually used by connecting yourself to astral space but in the meantime let's one let's one, one last thing before you go in there can you describe what a person sees in astral space how it, how it perceives differently i i honestly i don't remember off the top of my head okay. i've read too many books that uh if let's for this example let's say you have perfect dragon sight okay so you you shift over to astral space as as a as dragon sight and now you can see astral space you would see all of the all of the threads that that connect everything together you would see the pattern of each living thing as glowing you would see the pattern of each non-living thing as muted the is this, the, is this the, the game that has this like it's a silvery landscape or am i thinking something else i forget you're, i literally you're, forgot I think you're, so. you're thinking something else uh okay. it, it it it's a little bit vague but it is supposed to be a little wispy okay. like a uh, foggish and the the higher level sight you have the more you can pierce the fog that that permeates astral space especially after the horrors came yeah, sorry, so it's been a long time, and I forget if this is one of the realms that did that. Like everything was like an outline or some crap, and uh, no, 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 I'd it, have to reread them. But it's the, the the reason I brought up the Matrix is because when at the end, when Neo sees the agents in the hallway, everything is the Matrix code. He just sees the code now. Well, if you were looking at astral space, you would just see the patterns and threads that connect everything. That's all you would see. But this site while doesn't give you color that doesn't give you facial features nothing like that if you can read it just like the matrix it's actually more inf more information 
than seeing things physically. You don't just see the guy, Bob. If you see his pattern, you see it well enough. You see Bob. He has the, the beginning stages of, of renal failure. You'll be able to see that. He, he's killed his mother. You'll be able to see that. He's, yeah, it's a pretty significant event. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is significant. You can see the layers in his pattern. You can see things he's attached to, items he may be attached to. Any group patterns, you can see that thread go off in the distance or go toward another person if the, his group member is near him. You can see all of this greater amount of information that affects the physical world but only exists in the astral plane. Okay. And one last thing, so, so people know... This entire information is in the core book because it is yes. core to the game. This isn't like, something, oh, we just let the wizards worry about this. No, you have to understand this. And this is one of the harder parts for new players to uh, to understand. But a good game master will feed it to them slowly. Help them along. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, but uh, understanding magic, astral space, and, and threads is core to the game. And with that, we say the one button. All right. So Rex Teal says, uh, so is the single core rule book for Earth on one E all you need? Or are there any other books that could be helpful? Huh. To, to play helpful. the game up to what? Circle eight. eight? Yeah. All you need is the main book. And that could easily take a year. Minimum. Oh, yeah. Minimum. You guys were two and a half easily. years and just creeping out of eight. Yeah, I was I was nine. Yeah, I think Garth was too. Yeah, I was I was nine when we ended. And that was a year. That was a year and a half. So you only need the, the the core rule book for the first eight circles, and that's going to take a while. So you got time. Yeah. And then if, if you if you buy what is it, the companion? Yep. Yeah, the Earth on Companion. You can go up to fifteen. Um, up up to fifteen. But really, I you I'd retire at ten because it's going to get weird at that. Point. I mean, if you unless you're looking for that anime style game. But here's one of the things yeah, yeah, I would yeah. say is don't dive into that anime style game until you you want to work your way there because the game is going to grow with you and you're gonna, you're going to see things like whoa they haven't even gained circles why are they twice as powerful as they were a month ago it's because they went wide and they found out how to use what he's talking about with the astral yes. space and those abilities. Um, yeah. What, what what he means by going wide is going going tall or going deep is digging down or or building up circle increase after circle, circle after circle yeah circle after circle after circle yes and you are you are more powerful you have a you have a you have a greater power potential but going wide is increasing your talents uh attaching your yourself to different pattern items group patterns where you're not increasing your circle but you're increasing your power base by so much that you are probably stronger at fifth circle than you would be at 10th. If you just focused on circling up. The other thing I would say on this comment here, it depends on how immersed you want to be in the world. My favorite book of all time, obviously you have to have the core book to play it, but my favorite earth on book of all time. And I suggest everybody gets this one is called Adept's way. Hmm absolutely love that book because it dives into how the disciplines think believe and it only yep. does it in like four pages each but yep. uh dives into how the disciplines think believe and so forth and it has things called discipline talent i'm sorry uh discipline violations because being a discipline we won't dive into this now but being no, a not, discipline is that, a but there, of yeah, life. there 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 is a a thought process you have molded your pattern to be a warrior which means you have to continue to think and act like a warrior to keep that magic flowing if you don't, you're altering your pattern away from being a warrior. So you're you've you're the magic flows through you weekly. 
And then there's the denizen books if you want, if you like the races of the game because well, it dives the, into the, the races. The way is most important to help new players yep. really understand that they have to role play a warrior, and there are several ways to do that. I have videos. Several on that. ways to do that. Role, role playing an archer. Several ways to do it. But there are core tenets you must follow. All right, let's go to the next one. Okay, any one ebooks to avoid? I don't think so. No, no, there are no there are no first edition books that I, that I would say shouldn't be, or have have less, or are not not as useful as as they should be. All of them are are at least moderately useful for your um, campaign. There is there is one. What? <laughs> the what? Theron Empire. The Theron Empire book. Oh well, no, no, be, because because uh, a lot of the core book uh, is is pushing you toward Theron encounters and stuff like that. Yeah, but it has so, the, the tree people and the monster people and depatterning and starts in all that other nonsense. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It, it 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 introduces some things that you may not want to put in your campaign, but guess what? You don't have to. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, so, you don't have to. I had to they, find it's one. Not, it's not forcing you to ruin your game. All <laughs> the stuff go. is optional. Uh, you spend legend points on karma the same as spending them on your role and this was in direct uh directly talking about how i gave you guys that uh right. you know, the, but right. here here's the caveat to this and i'm being pedantic when i say this and it's I, I i'm not arguing it's just um discipline talents are the only things you can spend karma on unless karma comes with it so you can't you can't actually use karma uh, on a talent if you're going by the rules on a t uh, talent so if you're a wizard you can't spend karma on melee weapons I mean, it sure, works. you may get it as a wizard, but it's not a focus of your yeah. discipline, like say spell casting or thread weaving or matrices or whatever. With that said, that is a, an interesting use of it. Maybe it charge is. double karma to get the point a one point. I don't know. I mean, you can house rule it however you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can do it however you want. Yeah. Uh, so Zerthon run the same or similar engine as Shadowrun, as I love the dice system. It's not. Most it is. It is a. It's different mechanics, but. The lore is the same. It's just it's just a higher magic version of Shadowrun. It, the dice system is what made me love fall in love with Earth Dawn in the first place. I absolutely love the step system. Even if you were to say, you know what, I don't really like this Earth. This Earth Dawn game is kind of weird, or, or whatever. It's too high magic for me, or whatever. I don't like the way the disciplines work. Yada yada yada. I still love the step system. I would use yeah. the step system for any game that somebody, uh, you know wanted to run yeah, earth dawn is the more sophisticated and higher power magic version of Shadowrun. in in Shadowrun, they haven't learned about thread magic yet they haven't learned that all they use raw magic all the time just suck up magic from astral space force it through your body create a magical effect that's what they do now when horrors are around that's a death sentence you, you may as well kill yourself because that's just stupid they use they use intermediary things, spell matrices, floating yeah. floating uh, dream catchers that they filter magic through because the magic is polluted around them, filters out the pollution to make pure magic, and that's what they use to use their spells. Now, does it take longer? Yes, but is it safer? Infinitely. You want to see a party powerful. come to its knee or come to a stop? I'm talking the players come to a stop, put them in a situation where raw magic might be necessary. <laughs> They're like, oh, wait no. a minute. Every I wasn't ready for to make a new character yet. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's looking at each other goes, okay, so who's going to die? 
<laughs> I mean, we have to do it. So who's who's going to die because of it? That's it. So yeah, yeah, it is similar, but it's the it's the grown up pants version of Shadowrun. Magic wise, <laughs> uh, magical items are a great way for creating new scenarios. Oh, you need more knowledge about the last hero that wielded that sword in order to oh, make no, it better. I'm going to get into that in the next video. Okay, well, I'm just saying he made a comment. Item. Pattern items are in the next video. Don't worry. I'm going to get into that. But yes, okay, pattern right. items are in the next video. So stay tuned for the next video. <laughs> there we go. Uh, what happens when you find out the true name of a demon or a horror, obviously? The true name of a horror? Uh, you have knowing the true name of something gives you power over it. You can now attempt to banish it. Now, is that going to work? It depends how strong the horror is. And if you're first or fourth circle, uh, don't try it. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a good plan. It's a bad plan. You're probably going to fail, but you can now do things. Once, once you know the true name of a pattern, you can affect it in many, many ways. And it, the, the, it, that's all, you know, talked about in, uh, in not, not just this book, but in the, uh, in the, um, arcane mysteries of bar save, where it goes into magic more, uh, in depth. It, it talks about affecting true patterns by their true names in Shadowrun, It was the same thing. If you know the, the true name of a spirit, you can banish it. You can actually banish it, make it go away. Sometimes it's easier than fighting it. Okay. Earthon, you can do the same thing. It's been a long time since I read that. So I, I didn't have the answer yeah. to that. So there you go. Um, and finally, this is talking about astral space. It says it's like a photo negative with glowing threads. Something about yeah, that it, sounds it, familiar, but I, I just forgot. Yeah. You, you know what? Uh, I, I would say that, that each game master can make astral space look however the hell he wants. As long as the idea of threads and patterns are ingrained in it, he can make it beautiful blue, ugly red, you know, demonic red, black, whatever he wants to do. He can do as long as the aspects of patterns and threads are preserved. It's it's up to your game. All right, there we go. Those are questions, comments for that one. Like, subscribe, and share, and stay tuned. For, wow, my voice cracked. That was awesome. Uh, stay tuned for the next video where he's going to talk about patterns, pattern items, and all that kind of good stuff. What's a pattern item? It's a magic item. All right, give me give me one sec. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of things. I haven't run Earth on in quite a long time, and I haven't dealt with some of this stuff in a long time. So him rereading this is actually kind of refreshing some of my information. Um, as far as the books go, yeah, I don't know too many first edition books. Um, I had a we can I can tell you about my uh, experience being a playtester for second edition someday uh, in the future. Third edition, I have the books. You can probably see the bottoms of the red ones right there. I didn't the third edition really irked me with uh, its homogenization of the disciplines. And I can't blame fourth edition for doing that. Although I really hate the homogenization of the disciplines. Like why, why play another mancer when you can now play this other discipline who can get all half the nether mancer's abilities. Like eh, dumb. Yay team. Yeah. Yay team. Ready? Yep. All right. In this video, Heathen Dog is going to talk to us more about pattern items, magical items, whatever you want to call them. Pattern items, because that's what they're actually called in this game. And he's going to tell us more about those. So what do you got for us, Heathen Dog? All right. In the last video, I talked about ast astral space and that it affects physical space. Now I'm going to get into exactly how with three examples. Pattern items, magical items in this game, spells, and talents. All of these are magical effects 
And since magic comes from astral space, it requires a connection. So we're going to see how that connection works and how we can use magic. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. All right. Now, of the three uh, pattern items, spells, and talents, we're going to start with pattern items because I just spoke about pattern items in the last video. Pattern items are items that have a true pattern, a complex, multi-layered pattern, which when you connect your yourself, your pattern, to its pattern, activates its magical abilities. This is important because to do this, you have to examine the pattern. Number one, you have to be able to see the pattern. Anyone, any discipline at fourth circle or higher has access to thread sight. They can see pattern, very myopic. Basically, it has to be right in front of you. You almost have to be holding it. And you hey. can see the, the top layer of the pattern just enough to attach a thread from your pattern to the pattern of the item. Now, the strength of the magic you're going to get is based off of your connection to the astral pattern of the item and the, the complexity of the item's pattern. Both of these will show you how much magic, how much power you're going to get from this item. For example, there are common, common pattern items out there. Things that uh, replicate like cooking pots and crap like that. They have one layer, maybe two. Then there are common weapons and armor that have three, maybe four layers. Then there are legendary pattern items these these items say have been wielded or used by heroes throughout the ages past and their pattern has gotten so complex so convoluted so dense that the magic that it's it's able to produce is well legendary that's why they're legendary items these, these two things the the depth and complexity of the pattern and the strength of the thread of between you and it will demonstrate how much power you can pull out of it. Now, again, because of astral space, you are connecting yourself to the astral pattern of an item. And since your physical self and your astral self are connected, the magic flows through the entire thing. You are connecting yourself to astral space that has a host of worries on some sense, but it's an increase of power because you have a new source of magic just pouring into you at all times, giving you extra abilities. Now, what are these extra abilities? Well, it depends on the item, really. I mean, if it's a sword, it's going to be sword stuff. If it's armor, it's going to be armor stuff. If it's a whistle, it's going to be whistle stuff. You know, whatever. Like, you you can uh, uh, cut through stone if you have enough, uh, a strong enough connection to this certain blade. Or... Uh, you 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 get a greater, more like a force field ability if you connect yourself to this full plate armor to a certain degree. 
your your armor level increases dramatically. Or the whistle, when you blow the whistle, you create a cyclone or something like that. It could be that, depending on the strength of the strength of your thread, the the, the size of your thread between you and the item, and the complexity of the pattern of the item. Now, well, what about spells? Spells tap into before, astral space. Before, too, before right? you go into spells, I want to make an example here. So you don't change the topic. I'm staying on your topic. Um, in the game that I ran with you guys, that again lasted two and a half years total, that um, there are only two, two pattern items that were created in the group, because I'm very, I, I don't allow just anything. Oh, you guys had a great fight. That's a pattern item. No, one was uh, Mumbasa's who pack. And the other one was Garthon's stupid stick. <laughs> the damn skull. Yeah, the, the, his the skull, skull stick. Yeah. Those were the only two things that became pattern items in the game because they were so identifiable with those characters that over the long term. And they both did some really interesting things that we have stories about that I yep. let them become pattern items. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't want to touch on creation of pattern okay. items, creation of things with a true name, but he is, he is right. You, you can take a normal sword and you can make it into a magical sword. The caveat is, number one, it's going to be hard because you have to, you have to make this thing famous. Has to be legendary. Yeah. Using the term of the yep. game, it has to be legendary. Yep. You have to make it famous. How do you do that? By doing awesome things with it and people knowing about it. Mm -hmm. That's how you change the pattern of an item. Other name givers subconsciously will alter the pattern of an item to give it complexity and make it magic if it is associated with you doing feats of great things or it being the reason you could accomplish feats of great things. For example, you have a normal sword, but every single time you defend a village against a, an evil monster you raise this sword in the air and say, by the power of gray skull, I will split your brain. <laughs> and then you come down and you always do a called shot to their head. To and it works most of the time. And a lot of times it works with yep. witnesses. After a while, the complexity of the sword pattern will change and it will become a magic item and it will have powers reflective of its deeds. In this example, it will now be called a gray horns uh, skull splitter sword it now has a name which makes it a magical item and now when you attach a thread to it you will get a plus two steps when you call shot against someone on their head something like that or or you uh, an armor defeating hit gives you an extra something or other something like that it's up to the game master and you to work it out but you can work out this new magical item between games. It increases sessions. incrementally slowly. So it's not like all of a sudden you're, you're bound to it and uh, you can now conquer the world with. No, it starts off with no. plus ones. And then. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it is. It is a slow progression. But as you do even more deeds with the sword, it's com it's pattern complexity gets even deeper and it has more levels of power that you can tap as you get higher circle and it just gets more powerful throughout you that that's the cool thing about pattern items magical items in this game in other games say D, &D you get a plus one sword at at first level you think wow this is this is the bee's knees this cats meow this is the greatest thing when you're 10th level that plus one sword is garbage 
not patterned items and earthed on. The higher circle you get, the you can strengthen your magical connection to the sword. It will give you increased power. It will grow with you. Mm -hmm. This I actually love that. Yes, be, because this feeds the idea of building its legend and your legend. You're forging it together. You know, your you and your skull splitter sword are swathing a path through the realms, splitting horror's heads open. The legend grows. The you get you get more legendary. Your your sword gets more legendary. Therefore, you give each other more power. It's great. It becomes part of your legend, and because of that, its own legend, which means its pattern complexity, grows as you grow. So you never have to ditch it. You can keep it for your whole career. It's going to get stronger because you get stronger. Now we move on to spell casting. Spellcasting is a, a very, a very special aspect of astral sight, astral sensing, and using astral threads and patterns. To do this, you have to have the spellcasting feat, uh, spellcasting talent, excuse me, or you know, you have to have a talent, spellcasting talent. And you can access astral space in a limited extent just to draw magical energy from it, filter it through a pattern to create a desired result. The pattern forces the magic to configure itself in a way that turns into something physical in the real world. Now, remember, when I, when I talked about astral space, I told you that an astral pattern and a physical pattern are linked. Without one, the other cannot exist. When you're creating a fireball, first you have to create the astral pattern of a fireball, and then it will manifest when powered by you with magic in the real world as a fireball, which does damage. Without some access to, to astral space, you can't draw the magic from it to form this astral pattern. Now, the more complex the spell, the harder it is, is going to do that. That means you have to not just force the magic through you and will it into a shape. You have to create a pattern to push it through, to create a more complex shape, a more powerful spell. The higher level spells, higher circle spells, the more extra molding it requires to get the desired effect. A simple first circle spell requires no extra threads. A little pew pew firebolt, pew pew, doesn't require extra threads. You just force force the magic through through your body even to create the desired pattern to create a little tiny little tiny firebolt in the real world to shoot someone in the eye. But if you're creating a giant inferno volcano coming out of the ground and spewing pyroclastic cloud death everywhere, well, that's going to be a high circle spell, and you're going to need to prep that thing by weaving threads to it before you push magic through. To create a more complex pattern, you have to create a more complex template to push the magic through. There's actually a game mechanic template for this in the book, Magic Manual of Mystic Secrets, but I'm going to caution game masters right now with that book. That book can cause some problems Yeah, because if you compare them to the spells in the core book, it is possible to make them better or much, much worse based on your roles. And of course, every player is going to cheat 
So every spell is going to be better than what you find in the core book because it is, there's a lot of randomness. I like conception. I like the randomness built in, but, but I've, it can get weird too much, yeah. too much range of randomness unbalances a game. Yeah. And I think that players cheat when it comes to that as well, but that's just a personal opinion. So, so we, we've gone from pattern items to spell casting and how it relates to astral space. Now we're going to get to talents. Talents are special. Any disciplined character can use a talent because they may not even be able to see astral space. If they're a first, second, third circle sword master or troubadour, you don't have access to actually seeing or sensing astral space in a meaningful way. But because you became a sword master or a troubadour or a warrior or a whatever, you have altered your pattern. Remember, you are a name giver. You can rename things. You renamed yourself into a sword master, a warrior, a troubadour. That means you have altered your pattern that when you push magic through it, it creates a static effect. For example, a warrior's discipline talent, a main talent, magical ability, of their, of their class is air step. Air step allows you to move, to get a greater initiative, uh, move, uh, move through the air without touching the ground. You get lots of effect, but... When you put magic into it, the same result happens. It's not like spellcasting where you can fire an ice bolt, a fire bolt, a, a blinding flash, or whatever. You have one thing. You've trained your body to, to mold magic in this way. Now, of course, you could have many talents, many sections of your body that you've altered to when magic is poured, th poured through it, it creates a static effect. Air dance is one of them. Melee weapons is also a discipline talent of a warrior. You are magically proficient in wielding an axe or a sword or, or a hammer or whatever. When you push magic through your, say, arbitrarily your arm, it creates a static effect of increasing your ability to fight. You've altered your pattern. Great. That becomes much more prevalent in later editions of the game. After the introduction of, was it Talent Shredder and what's the other one, like Subdue Talent or something? I forget what yeah. the name of it is. I hate those abilities. Even as a game master, I hate those abilities because I think all you're doing is you're forcing your character or the player characters to double up on a talent that they now also have to take as a, as a skill yeah. because that talent can be taken away because the talent is basically you're blocking the magic of it and can be taken away. Yeah. I actually, I don't want to say I remove them from my games, but I generally stay away Nerf from them. those abilities. Nerf them when used. Yeah. But the, the thing is, uh, if, if you take away someone's talent, you're either one shredding their pattern, which there is a mechanic in the game for that, yep. or you, you are blocking magic from going through that specific part of their pattern that is geared for this magical effect. You're blocking magic from going through the part of their pattern in their, say arbitrarily their arm, which activates their melee weapons talent, which means they no longer have access to that talent. They just have to go it's off one of the weird things. or strength or whatever. You know me, I, I like to, to mess with player characters, but it's one of the weird things about this game that I actually don't want to do to a player character. It's, it's weird. I don't know why, but I don't. So I try to remove those to the best of my ability. All right. And it goes into choosing talents. That's, that's not important, but this picture here, it's, it says 
Phaedron summons the yep. essence of the beast. His one of his talents is to turn his forearm and hand into a claw, claw increasing in, increase claw shape, in, in, increasing the amount of damage he does in unarmed combat. He does that by forcing magic through specific portion of his pattern that he has renamed to to do this effect, this magical effect. And he doesn't need special ability. He doesn't need to think about it. It's just part of who he is now. Might have to spend a strainer of karma. I forget what it is off the top of my it, head. It, it, it depends yeah. on the talent. Yeah. yeah. If, if it requires a large push of magic or a normal flow, that's fine. But still, it is a part of him. He pushes the magic. In, it's basically like pressing a button. Put magic into this, press button, boom, get this effect. It's like that. You don't have to think about it. It just works. That's what talents are. You're altering your pattern to focus magic from astral space to do a specific and non-changing feat. It's great. I love it. So that is how astral space affects physical pattern items, casting spells, and using magic, even for non-spellcasters, as long as you're disciplined. You are connected to astral space, even if you can't see it, to a much greater degree than a normal person. You've altered your pattern in a way to where it now accepts magical flow in specific ways from astral space where all magic exists. So what, 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 what what's your what's your next video? Next video otherwise is I have a using question. astral space. Okay, you're gonna talk about the the I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about true names, I'm gonna talk about key knowledges, I'm gonna talk about the the depth of the complexity of astral patterns. How about dirty how astral space? Oh, I, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about how the horrors messed it all up too. Okay, because otherwise I, I was going to ask a question about that now, but we'll save that to, to next uh, video then. All right, only start four this time. It says Earthdown is a game where you prefer hand-me-downs. Yes, yes, hand-me-downs have history, therefore they have power. There's also one other uh, kind of caveat to that. Some of the items can have multiple people bound to them. That's true. Depending on the power of, a, of an item, the complexity of its pattern, you can have multiple people attach threads to it. And as long as you give it to Joe, as long as Joe has a thread attached to it too, it'll work for Joe, just like it works for you. The, the complexity of the item will be in, indicative of how many threads can be attached to it at once, but it is possible. You guys make me want to start a new Earth on campaign so much right now. Well, good. Yay. That that is the biggest compliment right there. Yep, that's, exactly. That's so, if you're a famous hero, you hero, you will likely have some sort of pattern item. Would mm -hmm. it take some time before the individual realizes he has a pattern item? I want to see how Heathen Dog uh, answers this first. I'm going to say no because for 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 my table it would be no. For someone else it would be fourth circle. Fourth circle they will get the, the thread site ability if they didn't have thread weaving before. Like all spellcasters start off circle one with thread weaving, which means they have thread sight right away at circle one. They would be able to, to discern a magic and non-magic item by examining it with thread sight. Anyone else who is a non-spellcaster has to wait till fourth circle. But once they get it, if it's their sword, I'm not going to make them roll to study their own sword. No, it's their sword, man. They can see the pattern like, oh, crap. This thing has a, has a true name. 
and you know the knowledges of your sword. I'm going to get into key knowledges and stuff like that in the next video. But if you have these key knowledges, you can attach threads to items, which means since it's your item, you made it magical. You have all the key knowledges. You can attach threads to it. It'll just cost you legend points to do it. You don't have to go searching for crap. You, you don't have to do all this other uh, uh, library nonsense because it's your legend. You did it. You remember, right? So, you know. So it's a lot easier. Not only can you instantly know that your weapon, just by looking at it, is now a pattern item, but it's far easier to attach threads and, and strengthen the thread from you to your pattern item because you made it. You know all about it already. It's easy. Uh, Kokushuko, so yes. Cir circles are levels. Um, yes. So Le levels I and circles are analogous in this instance. And then Heathen Dog's actually been doing a pretty good job of using generic terms instead of Earth on terms sometimes. So there's a couple comments about that. But no, he's been using some generic terms for the mass audience out there. Uh, yeah. I have just a slightly different take, but not too much differently than Heathen Dog. Um, yes, you're, you're going to know that it's a, a pattern item, but you might not know the second that it turns into a pattern item. But here's what's going to happen. Because you've been using it, what was the example you used earlier? Oh, you uh, every time you use it, you jump up, you use down strike, and you sp smack somebody on the head. And you okay. call shot for a skull. Yeah, it's called. At at some point there, you're in. You know you're supposed to be rolling, say you know two d twelve, and I'm going to say roll uh, roll a d twenty d twelve, and you're what? Something's up, obviously, right? You're going to know. I mean, the game mechanics and so forth. You're not really going to hide it from a player. When I did it with these guys, I actually worked it out with them. I said, okay, you know, you've been using it for this long. You've got this. Garthon's actually had a drawback. <laughs> if you tied to it because of his character's attitude, uh, I can't remember what it was, but something about him being poor was, I forget what it was, but his uh, staff had a uh, a drawback to it. Like he had to remain poor or something or, or ate his money. I don't remember what it was, but uh, anyway, they're going to know. Uh, would it would... Now, what actually caused it? I th almost think that the character has to know, because yeah, it's an event, and it's going to be an event that you know, and it's not just beating a horror construct. It's something that we just saved this. Thirty thousand people are dead around us. Big Cthulhu came in here trying to eat stuff, and we beat him. Okay, hang on. Technically, by the book, even even if you've you've done everything right and you've made your normal sword into a pattern item which is now a magical item you won't know until you use thread sight on it Fair. you yep. won't get the benefit from it until you attach a thread from your pattern to its pattern technically by right. the book but yep. i think you and i will agree on this house rule if you created your pattern item you by by using it in a legendary fashion you did all the right steps. You did everything right. You've crushed enough skulls. And now it is a, it is a named item. Billy Bob's, you know, you know, skull crushing ax. There you go. That's its name. And you're Billy Bob. I, as a house rule, would allow you to not only instantly know it, but you would instantly know it because the first layer of thread is automatically attached. If you made that item legendary, if you made that item magical, you get the first first thread free. I may I or may not that. do that, but I, I only say that because by the point that that happens, you're getting like 30,000 legend points. The 500 it takes to weave to that probably doesn't. No, no, no. But, but, but I do get what you're you saying. You don't yeah. have to roll either because to attach a thread item, there's a roll. You got to yeah, roll. That, you no, can that's flip right, that yeah. roll. 
Yep. You could flood it. I'm not going to let you. You created that magical pattern. You created that true name. I'm going to give you the. I'm going to give you the the lowest level for free, for free, instantly usable the moment it becomes magical because you did it. It's fair. Rex Teal says, uh, "I can definitely see how this can quickly become very anime-like if you allow it to get to that point." I'm going to take yeah. a little exception to how he said that, but I'll let you go first. Okay. Uh, like like I said, the first first through four circles or levels it's it you're going to feel like you're on the struggle bus all the time because you're going to feel depowered compared to things you're fighting the intermediate levels five to seven or eight whatever five seven yeah, it's five to eight. yeah one to four or five to eight okay you are gonna you're, you're gonna feel all right you're gonna feel sufficiently powerful now when you get above eight eight <laughs> nine ten you're gonna feel I'm 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 top dog, man. Yeah, you are you are you are regionally probably one of the most powerful name givers around mm -hmm. in your region. But but when you get past 10, <laughs> especially 13, 14, or 15, you are a demigod. Yep. You are one of the most powerful living mortal things on the planet. Are there things more powerful than you? Sure. Horrors? Yep. Dragons? Yep. Anything else? Nope. Oh, great dragons are uh, no. Don't oh, matter. I don't care what circle I, you I, are. I said dragon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. An adult dragon is probably more more powerful. Oh yeah, than yeah, yeah. Or eleven circle character. A great dragon. <laughs> he is a. He's equal or on par to a fourteen or fifteen circle character. But there's not much else. That's basically it. Low to mid level horrors you could solo. Yeah. as a 13th or higher circle character you could solo those punks in, in an arena style fight absolutely luckily horrors can be smarter than that but yeah great don't yeah. mess with great dragons uh so again this is a quibble i'm not being angry um if you allow it to get to that point is what i what i was like wow no the game is supposed to get to that point yeah. it is actually designed to get to that point now this is you know, those who watch the friday streams know that i say that earth dawn is my high magic game if Heathen Dog hasn't got this to you yet, everything in this game is magical, dang near. Like, magic is all over the place. Now, if it has it's not magical now, you can make it magical <laughs> later. Right. Now, there are rules to that magic that isn't just like, oh, look, it's magic. No, but, but it's everywhere. So the idea that you become an anime character, I mean, a high circle archer doesn't even have to walk around with a bow and arrow. No, he create it he out can of create wind. a bow and arrow out of magical energy by just snapping wind. his fingers or twinkling his eye or bewitching his nose or whatever. Yep. He can just do it. He can make it out of nothing. Uh, a, a, a high level, a 13, 14 or 15 circle discipline character is never without armor is never without a weapon is never without victory just because they exist they're awake which means they can win no matter what they have the ability to win but that's that's not a bug that's a feature exactly yep so 
If you like high magical games like Earthdawn, and I will try to put uh, the, my complete playlist of Earthdawn disciplines and so forth in the description below. Hopefully I remember. But uh, check out our playlist here. I just went back and noticed that uh, we have another episode where we talk about how to introduce magic thread items into the game. So uh, Heathen Dog's talking about all about the magic items now. Well, we have one we talked about a long time ago. We were talking about how to introduce them. So there you go. Now you get how they function, and you can go watch the video on how to introduce them to your game as well. Uh, and we look forward to Heathen Dog's next video on key knowledge. Was it uh, where you can talk about pattern items, key knowledges, and what true else? names? What's, what's that? And true names. Oh, and true names. Ooh, true names. Awesome. So look forward to that video then. All right. Let me get to the right spot. Can you play in the 5,000 years of magic off time? I mean, if you want to, that would just be. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, yes, you could. Uh, you just wouldn't have talents and you wouldn't have magic. You'd just be skilled characters, yeah. I mean, you could do it. The step system is versatile. I love the step system. How wide are pattern... What? How wide are pattern items or even magic knowing... Oh, everybody uses magic. Everybody. There, the things Heathen Dog hasn't talked about, which we don't have time for, would be, unless he you know, just kind of anecdotally mentions them, you have blood charms. You have the common magic items like healing poultices and you know, Helix Poultice, Kela's Antidote. I forget the names of those. Uh, last Chance Salves. Oh, you're dead? Hold on. Let me rub a little goo on you. As long as it's within 24 hours, you might come back. Um, all types of stuff. Maybe Heathen Dog will regale us with what the... Uh, <laughs> the targeting eye does to somebody <laughs> uh, targeting eye or the astral sensing eye or whatever well, yeah. the targeting eye's got that worm yeah targeting uh, eye's got the worm it's bad. uh you know there's blood pebble armor you can have like put underneath your skin this entire game commoners know magics everywhere it just yeah, it's I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into that when when, when i talk about uh patterns generally you know, well, I, I talked about them generally but now it's going to be more specific it, it's you, you're going to understand the the intrinsic connection between astral patterns and and uh and, and physical things throughout the cycle of the of the worlds with where there is magic where there's not magic and I'll, i'm yeah i'm gonna get okay. into that so and then talkie is the last comment here before we start this one it said you'd only have humans as a race to choose that's right only humans would be available if there's no magic in the world places, yeah yeah, very, very few caveats because Shadowrun introduced the idea of immortal elves that exist throughout non-magical times, like Harlequin. And uh, he he existed since since the fourth age, which is Earthon age, throughout the fifth age, which is the age we live in now, into the sixth age when magic comes back in the Shadowrun universe. He existed all through that. So he's at least six, six, seven thousand years old. That exists in Shadowrun, and since Shadowrun and Earthdawn are intrinsically connected, there is a way for non-humans to exist in a in a in the worlds of non-magic, but it's extremely rare. All right, for the third part heathen dog is going to talk to us he just told me like three times i forgot what he's going to talk to us about so heathen dog what are you going to talk about okay i'm going to finish up my talk about astral space i'm going to talk about names true names and key knowledges to increase your knowledge of a pattern therefore your connection to it increasing the magical effect now this is going to be important because i'm going to really hit home the idea that astral space and the physical world are connected 
whether magic is strong or not, the connection's still there, but different. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of Hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Chill stream where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. All right. And I don't know why that's not working. <laughs> it's not showing anymore. Oh, hey. Add to stream. Uh... Has that happened before? No, but I mean, it's trying to show. It's just not it's showing. Trying. Let me stop it and, and restart. Hang on. Okay. Present. Let me do it all over again. Maybe okay. it's just weird. Oh, there's trying. I see the oh, spinning there's wheel. A circle. There's a circle. Oh. And it didn't work. What? <laughs> what <laughs> the hell? It's not even in the preview now. No. What the hell? Hold on. We forgot to do this. It's his segment. Oh, he screwed oh, everything there up. it is. There oh, it is. Look at that. There you it. go. All right. Now, astral space, the idea of patterns has to be just burned into your brain if you're going to play Earth Dawn. Patterns are, are the secret sauce that makes everything work. Astral space is littered with patterns. Everyone is their own dream catcher. What it looks like in astral space. A multi-layered dream catcher if you have a true name, which all PCs do because you're named of a race. You named yourself. You rename yourself. That's how it works. That's how magic works. The, the idea, what you believe will eventually become reality if you work for toward it long enough. That's how magical items are made. That's how you grow in power. The deeds of the real world affect your astral pattern, which in effect gives your physical pattern, the real world, more power. It's a self-perpetuating symbiosis. Now, I spoke in earlier videos about the waxing and waning of magic in 5,000-year cycles. 5,000 years of magic, growing, and, you know, ebbing and, and waning. Uh, uh, sorry, waxing and waning. And then 5,000 years of no magic. Now, this doesn't mean astral, astral space is disconnected. No, you are always connected to your astral pattern. But I want you to think of it as astral plane and the physical plane. When magic is high, they're coming together. When magic is low, they're drifting apart. They never completely separate because, like I said, if you break 
the link between an astral pattern and a physical pattern, they will both die. They never break. They just get spread thin. So magic cannot flow from astral to physical. It's too far away. The connections are too thin. But as magic increases, the planes get closer together. And now magic can flow more freely. Think of astral space like that. In the time of Earthdawn, just like in the time of Shadowrun, magic is close enough together. I'm sorry, astral space is close enough in proximity to the dimension of physical space that magic can freely flow. That's that's where you live now. That's your that's your world. Astral space and physical space are closer together in your mind. There's not really physically closer together. It's more of an abstract thought, but are closer together. Therefore, magic flows. It's metaphysically closer. Yes, it's metaphysically closer together. Now, so I'm looking down a lot here because I'm looking. I'm going to answer a comment here uh, later on, and I'm trying to find the exact paragraph where it's in. So I'm not. I'm not ignoring Heathen Dog. I understand. Now, names and naming. This is this is important because this is the the physical world and the actions of of name givers. Those people who are who are sentient races in Earth are affect the astral world by doing things in the physical world. Now, I spoke in an earlier video about making a magical item from a mundane item. If you do, you do great feats, legendary feats, feats worthy of song with this item, using this item, or, you know, everyone around seeing it, you extol the virtues of this item that it allowed you to do this then the the physical act of you doing that and the the act of everyone seeing it will affect astral space and make its pattern the pattern of the item sword axe armor whatever more complex it will now get more layers in its pattern until it becomes a named thing and once it does that it becomes magical you can connect a thread to it from your pattern to its pattern and the magic will flow now, it's the same thing for places. Places, you can do the same thing. You can do it on purpose by uh, creating a gladiatorial arena. And when you step in the arena, you know, you, 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 know, you say, in this arena, I am all powerful. And you win. You constantly win. You're just winning. You're Charlie Sheen in Tiger Blood, man. This, you're just winning here. People will start to think that you and this place together are unstoppable. That will mean it, this is not just a normal arena, a gladiatorial arena anymore. No, it is Billy Joe Bob's arena of victory. <laughs> Those it names. has a name now. It's a shitty name, but it's a name, right? Yeah, fair enough. Now, with you connected up your pattern and connected to the pattern of this place, you now win more often because you win more often. See, the it, it's a feedback loop. You're doing things in physical world that strengthen its connection to the astral world, which now sends more magic back to the physical world, which means you win even more. Like I said, pattern items, pattern places grow with you. As you grow in power, they grow in power because you, you by virtue of you doing the things you do, increase the legend of not only you, but the item or place that you're using to do it. Now, having, having, you know, knowing that, 
you're increasing the legend of this item or place. How do you tap into that power? How do you actually draw that greater amount of magic? Well, you increase the strength of the thread that ties your pattern to the pattern of the thing or place. How do you do that? With key knowledges. Key knowledges, pattern knowledge. Here we go. Pattern items. Uh, we'll just do this right here. I'm sorry. It's going to be a little weird. There we go. A true pattern identifies an entity, place, or object as an individual, something separate from others of its type. True patterns consist of three intertwined parts. Once a mundane item becomes a pattern item, it gets a true pattern, a pattern that is complex. It must have these three things. One, a name associated with the pattern, usually what we would refer to as a proper noun. Like I said, it's, it's Billy Bob. the gladiatorial arena. It is Billy Joe Bob's arena of victory. It now has a name that separates it from other arenas. The gazebo of Horus separates it from your average gazebo because of the events that have transpired there and altered its pattern. The second is a history of that pattern, interactions with magic, significant events, important behaviors. This is the, I only use this ax to do called shots to someone's skull. Cause it's, I'm going to, cause I call it the skull crusher. You do that enough. You crush enough skulls. It becomes Billy Bob's skull crusher because of the events that have transpired to make it that way. It crushes skulls. That's what it does. And number three, rules or ways in which the pattern uses is affected by or interacts with magic. This is the uh, this is the magical bonuses that it gives you. The Billy Bob skull crusher crushes skulls. Well, how does it do that? When calling a shot on someone's skull, it's easier to get an armor defeating hit. That's the magic it gives. That's the bonus it gives for doing what it is. It's named the Skull Crusher. It got that name by crushing skulls. Therefore, the magic that it imbues upon you is a greater ability to, say it with me, crush skulls. skulls. There you go. See, I'm listening. It, It needs these three things to be a pattern item. But the more things it is associated with in that vein, the more complex the pattern goes and the more power you can eventually get from it. Well, how do you do that? You increase the strength of your thread by getting pattern knowledge. Now, we're going to move on from I made this pattern item through my deeds and actions because you're going to know all you're going to know everything about that. You pick up a mag- you pick up an item. The troubadour or the or the uh uh wizard wizard or the forge guy. What's his name? Oh, the weaponsmith. Weaponsmith can examine the item and see if it's a pattern item or not, if it's already magical. If it is, great. Now, you have to find out those three things to attach the very first level of thread to this pattern. You have to find out its name. You have to find out how it got that name and then what it does because of that name. You find out those three things. Boom. You can now connect a thread to, from your pattern to its pattern to activate the first level of power. 
and I, I'm not there. There is a to to connect a thread. There you have to roll. There there's a you know there's a whole legend point cost. Usually legend it's key no, key knowledge, good. legend point cost, and make a roll. Yeah, and make a roll. You succeed in all those things. Boom, you're connected. Now to deepen your understanding and therefore the magical flow, you have to increase the thickness of the thread between your pattern and its pattern. You do that by learning more about it. You need to learn something else about this thing. Billy, Billy Bob skull crusher. Billy Bob was a warrior way back in the last scourge, 5,000 years ago. Billy Bob was a warrior, a great warrior, killed so many horrors by crushing their skulls with a skull crusher. So you know Billy Bob's name, you know it's called the Skull Crusher, and you know how he how that name came about. Boom, first thread. But to increase the power of that thread, the thickness of that thread between you and the item, you have to learn more about the item, the history of the item. These are called key knowledges. Now, you learn more about Billy Bob. Billy Bob he decided that during the beginning of the last scourge, his job was to go to the area, areas in his realm, in his country or whatever, where horrors were attacking and crush all their skulls. He was a wandering paladin hero. You learn that about him. You learn that about his item, which he used to do this. Now you can attach, you can strengthen the thread between you and the item to level two. This will give you either an increased magical effect or a new one along the same vein. For example, Skull Crusher level one allows you to get an armor defeating hit on an excellence, on a, on a good success or better. Let's say. It's instead of excellent. Good is instead easier. Of excellent, it's one level lower. It's easier to defeat armor. Level two is when you are calling a shot to the head, you increase the damage by two steps. That could be it. So now that you have a level two thread, it's thicker. It can push more magic through it without failing. You get more power, more magical power. Knowledge increases the size of your thread to the astral pattern. The astral pattern can now push magic, more magic into the physical world, creating magic in the physical world as these effects. It's a self-propagating cycle. The more, the thicker the thread, the more magic, the more power. It grows with you and with your knowledge of the item. Now, as you get to higher levels of power, level five, level four, level five thread, sometimes it's not, not just knowledge that you need. You have to go perform a deed, a deed that Billy Bob did. For example, what really solidified Billy Bob's legend as, as the skull crushing horror, a skull crushing horror killer is that a named horror arrived in his hometown. He ran back to his hometown and he, he weakened the horror by uh, doing a test of wills with the horror to shatter the horror's will to humble him, bring his skull down, and now he can crush it. You learn of that event, and now you, to increase your power level of thread between you and Billy Bob's old axe, you have to find a horror and do a battle of wills with it and win. 
that's your deed. Deeds you usually unlock. It's not they're not always the highest level ones, but when you compare them to the other Mid-level. powers you get from the key knowledges, they're usually a bit more significant or yes. a little bit out of scope. Like, oh, well, that's weird. This one gave me plus to hit. This one gave me plus to damage. This one gave me plus to armor class. This gave me the ability to do something completely different. That's usually a deed. For example, after doing the test of wills with this horror and then crushing his skull with the skull crusher. You get to you get to increase the strength of your thread to say level five, but the power of the fifth level of this item is not crushing skulls, not you know bypassing armor. It's say a social defense increase against horrors or spell defense against yes, horrors. There you go. It's more it's more tied to the deed yep. than the than the initial power of the item. Which is really cool about Earth on weapons because if you're used to Dungeons Dragons, like, oh, I get a plus two sword or I get a plus three, you know, whatever. This, you're going to find that this is going to be more varied. Like, yeah, you've got five threads tied, but only have a plus two to hit. You have a plus two to hit. A level five thread. What's that? A level five thread, not five separate threads. Right, correct, correct. A level five thread. you got plus two to hit, you got plus two to damage, you got plus two to your armor, oh, I'm sorry, your physical defense, and now plus two to your spell defense, or whatever the numbers have to be. They vary around, and you will find that all of that adds up over time and makes you much more versatile than just being like, I just want to crush, I just want to do the skull crushing thing. Exactly. Well, you can't yes, get it, to the skull crushing thing if he's looking at you going, loo, 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 and you're running away like a little punk. Exactly. If, if he gets into your brain and messes with your brain and makes you afraid or makes you miss or makes you run away or, or just makes you paralyzed, then you're going to lose. And And that deed that he gave was perfect. Yeah. It's still loosely connected to the overall function of the item. Mm -hmm. It's just more ancillary, more background stuff, but it helps you in, in all cases against horrors trying to enter your brain. It's great. It's great. This is, this is all great. This is all, this is all cool. The key knowledges are what allow this to happen. You have to delve into the history of the item. Remember, the acts of the physical world increase the power of of the item's astral pattern, which increases the ability of the item's physical pattern. It's a self-perpetuating thing. The The more you do, the more you learn, the more you know, the more powerful it gets. By the way, Game Masters, great tool for getting players to go across the world into places you want them to go. Yes. There there are many, many pattern items in the the modules, in the book, in in the supplements that require deeds that require the characters to go to an active volcano, go to... A, an ice shelf uh, go to the the deepest mine in the land to do something so it gets them traveling it gets them the impetus to move on and the cool thing is once they're in motion across the world that that gives the game master a great ability to create new adventures in that new area side quest maybe or introduce a new main quest mm-hmm. So that's what these deeds are for to get the to get the player characters moving, get them moving around the whole country, not just one little area, one little fiefdom. No, keep them moving around because the higher their legend grows, the more influence they have on the world, the more powerful they become. And that just self-perpetuates, becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. 
it's an excuse to have them known in places they've rarely been because their deeds are so great and far reaching and wide of scope and wonderful of scale that people that have never seen them have heard about them. Mm-hmm. That's when you know you're, you're, you're getting up there the, when you're, when you're legend. How do you find those key knowledges and, or, or the find that you have to do the deed? Well, for the, for the early key knowledges, it's usually research, 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 or you have a troubadour, uh, examine the item mm-hmm. and, and, uh, he will read the pattern to read the history. Like I said, I, item everything, history, yep. yeah, ev- everything that has happened to this, to this ax, to this piece of armor, to this gazebo or whatever the, whatever the true name item is, is written in its astral pattern. It's history is written in the astral pattern. If you are good enough, you can read it like a book. Well, there's one caveat to that. The the item history ability cannot be used to answer the key, but it will put you in the direction of getting like go yes. to library of thrall and find out XYZ. Like, hmm, yes. looks here that you have to figure out where a major battle was that this guy fought in. Great. Now I gotta go to dumb library or or go talk to some high some ranking officers. Yeah. To yeah. find but you, so you still have to do something after the fact, but absolutely those but troopers it will be like a compass that points yes. you in the right direction. Yep. Now, when you're in that history, you say, oh yeah, he was in this great battle and to win it, he, 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 uh, he erected this, this giant, uh, this giant wall around the city to defend against the enemy long enough to where he could get victory. That's a, that's a key knowledge you have to know, but now you have to go to a village, erect barricades around the village and protect it from an onslaught. For a deed, yeah. Those two together, now you can roll to increase your thread power, to increase the magic you're getting from that item. It's it's like that. It's knowledge is power exemplified. The more you know about something, the more power you can squeeze out of it. One last thing that I want to say is cool about most thread items, there are a couple of exceptions, is no matter if it's a rank one, so the first rank the thread that you tie to it or it's the seventh rank of the thread that you tie to it it's usually still just a plus one or a plus two bonus so it isn't like you go plus one plus one plus one plus four plus four plus nine no. plus twelve no there, because there they're are cumulative. some that, there are some swords and axes that that constantly plus three. increase their damage throughout every level but it's not by a lot it's by one step yeah two exactly. steps at the most but it it levels up with you, basically. It levels up with you. Now, but you're thinking, well, Heathenog, what about, what about uh, how does that work with uh, discipline characters? It's the same thing. You are altering your pattern every time you go up a rank. Every time you go up in a circle, you go up in a level, your, your pattern has changed from a first circle warrior to a second circle warrior. Well, what does that mean? It means your, your pattern can push magic more efficiently which means you can you can increase the your their, your ranks and your talents higher and you can you can gather uh more magic quickly you're uh you're you're basically changing your pattern to make your pattern more efficient in pushing magic that that's what you're doing you're altering your pattern every time you go up a circle one of the things i really like about earth done also is in games like dungeons and dragons you get a bunch of experience points and then poof you're the next level no no circles and earth on are actually validation of what you can already do 
You yes. you can do all the stuff for second circle, and then you basically become validated by some experts that say you are second circle. <laughs> you yeah, can perform these maneuvers. You cut. You qualify. Good job. Yes. Yeah. You have to qualify, and then you have to. It's it's kind of like fake it till you make it. Whereas, uh, there are certain certain hurdles you must do to get from first circle to second circle. You have to have this many talents at at least second rank. You have to, uh, you have to have this many legend points spent. You have to have this many, this spent, and then you can go to a trainer, pay the trainer money or some other, some other way to, to, uh, to get them to guide you through meditation, to permanently alter your pattern with this new information that is now the new you and then your second circle. Ghostmaster. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh let's get to some of the comments. Okay. I don't have too many. Oh, I guess I had four. Uh Per says this game is where no one would invent a parachute. Okay. I that's what oh, I was no, trying uh, go, to go look to the up. next one. Go go the next one. Well, no, I but this doesn't answer the question. So uh, per, well, well there, there are airships in Earth on the game is named after one. Yeah. True. But the reason I wanted to put these two together is okay. because in a world where everyone who rides in an airship can magically make themselves float parachutes is worthless. They were, no one would even come up with the idea of a parachute. I was looking People, for it in here. I know it's yeah. in here because I found it when I ran it uh, as a module, when I was running my earth game a couple of years ago, it actually says no one would think of a parachute. Stop it. Yep. No one would think of it because magic already does that. Exactly. Yeah. You have to understand that this is a high magic world. The first thing they're going to try and solve problems with is magic. And most people, if it can't be solved with magic, it can't be solved. And you've That's got everything thought. from elemental air. You got air carpets or I'm sorry, uh, flying carpets. You've got, I mean, just the disciplines alone have, uh, you know, sky raiders, air sailors and so forth. Yeah. They now, have the ability to survive a fall from almost, almost any height at first circle. Carthon proved that. <laughs> yeah, who would make a parachute? You know, that's dumb. No one would even think of it. But yeah, in a, that... in a, but in Shadowrun, they started at no magic and got some magic, which <laughs> means the idea of making a non-magical fix to a problem is more is more readily thought of. Because everyone grew up with technology, not magic. So you would, if you want to stop from falling out of the sky, your first thing would be like, oh, I'll, I'll make something to slow me down. Not, oh, I'll just use magic to slow myself down. In Earth Dawn, the second, the second thought would come first. In Shadowrun, the first thought would be the, would be the one that, that comes first. So that's, that's how it works. And airships are safe. Most people don't fall off of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Air, air, airships, you really have to basically turn to, turn to shredded cheese for it to fall out of the sky. I mean, which is what it's, happens it's made in this of module. things that float. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's made of things that automatically float on their own for the most yeah. part. So yeah. So if I'm tracking the discussion properly, can more mundane items become pattern items? Yes. Simple yes. answer. Yes. Uh, it's hard long yes. answer it's it's difficult it's difficult you have to you not only have to do legendary things with it people have to know you did it with it and they have to believe that that the item was one of the main reasons you succeeded if if those caveats are are met then the item can become a true pattern item and point blank puts a weaponsmith can find uh weapon key knowledge too i think yeah i, th I think For they just can weapons as well. yes Think half magic, right? can do it to any item. 
Yeah. Troubadours can do it to anything. Weaponsmiths can do it to weapons, but they're better at it. Is Weaponsmith item history or is it half magic? I forget. It, 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 I think it's I think it's half magic for, okay. for weapon kinologists. So it's they're better cool. at it for the most part, especially in higher circles, because it's easy. But still, even that weaponsmith can tell you the story or like part of the story or what story you need to go find. You still have to go get the key knowledge. Yeah, you still got to go get it. But, you know, it's it's uh, only for weapons, but it's much more it's much more useful. Theoretically, I would say yes, but here's Earth Dawn is pretty, especially first edition, is pretty blunt about a couple of things. Number yeah, one, stop it. Well, what one of them is about evil characters. It will, it yeah. flat out says there's enough yeah. evil in the world because this is a post apocalyptic game. Again, we don't have time to give you the, everything about Earth Dawn, but it's a post apocalyptic time as that magic is settling down and the horrors just got done ransacking the globe. It says yeah, there's enough is, evil in the world. Screwed up enough. We, you don't need to play evil characters. Uh, so it doesn't even it doesn't even go in that direction. So now something like this, I think, would fall under that. Now, could you theoretically make cursed item? Maybe, but I think it would be more of a horror tainted item. Personally, I don't think yeah. that magic would would imbue in something that kept failing. But I, I mean, theoretically, you could well, say, you know, I named it. Yes, theoretically, if a lot of people keep seeing you use this axe and say, "Oh, I'm going to split your skull," and you miss every damn time <laughs> and people know it and people say that dang why does he keep using that axe i think it's the reason he, he's missing then that would become a pattern item but attaching a pattern to it means you are minus two steps to hit with a called shot to the head that's yeah. technically correct yeah yep but i wouldn't do it but you could yeah. So simple answer. Yes, you could. Uh, I think but it breaks the spirit of the game. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't. Okay, well, there we go. That's some Earth Dawn for you. People have been bugging me for a long time to talk about Earth Dawn, and I'll be honest, I forgot some of this stuff, some of the rumble chat that went on. To, uh, I forgot some of this, and I'm glad the Heathen Dog brought it back up. It was, you know, re recajiggering the brain there. I've been watching too much Futurama. Uh, but uh, yeah, all, all good. And, you know, it's actually making me want to start looking into some Earth Dawn stuff again. And I think that first edition has the best supplements. Is it the best game or not? That's up to you. We talked about that off video, you know, just for the yeah. live stream portion of it. Um, but you can watch the other videos in there and get that. But I think first edition has the best supplements. Fourth edition is still coming out with supplements, is still doing its own thing. I don't necessarily know what that is. I stopped buying the book after the or the stuff after the companion. Uh, the three the three books you want for Earthon, if you're going to be an Earthon player, generally speaking, are the uh, the the core, core book. book the uh, is there a game, yeah, there's a game master guy, is a game master guy for first edition, uh, and the the player's companion. So uh, uh, I I would go a little different. I'd say core book, player's companion, and Magic and Mysteries of Barsaf. Well, I mean, because that, that I has a whole lot of the core, uh, blood yeah. magic items and stuff like that in it. And the, your players are going to really appreciate that. And and, and to, since you're talking magic, uh, Magic Emanuel Mystic Secrets has the elemental, uh, how to make oh, elemental weapons. So, yeah, true. I mean, yeah. That, that's the thing about the Earth, the first edition Earthbound books. All the source books have meaning. There isn't any one of yes, these. Well, that's they're that's all just useful. splat. Yep. Yeah, they're all, they're all very useful. They all add a dimension to the game that fits and can easily be folded in at a later time. Like you start off with a core rule book for circles one through four. It's absolutely everything you need. Absolutely everything you need. Once you get to four circle, you may want to in introduce 
the more uh, one of the magic books because now now people can attach threads to stuff and it talks a lot about that pattern items and stuff like that it gives examples and legendary ones and non-legendary ones common ones uncommon ones so that's when you want to introduce that book and then as you move on from that you're, you're going to want to introduce the player's companion because it gives you the higher circle stuff yep. when you're when your players are ready for that I still say the best book, like if you could only have two, core book and Adept's Way. But you know, no, fair enough. So Adept's right. Way, Adept's Way is great if if your if your players, if your new players just can't get their head around what disciplined really means. Yeah. Then the Adept's Way will tell them, like, yes, you are a warrior. You must think like a warrior. You must act like a warrior. But a warrior can be played in several ways. Yes, you're getting it. Several, but not infinite. No, not infinite. Uh, you can't be a warrior if you run from every battle. If you if you strategically retreat, that's a warrior trait. If you run like a coward, you're not being a warrior. If you're an archer, say, and <laughs> well, that's changed. That 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 has changed. But the 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 way the way Max did it in his game, if you fire at something and you're not sure what it is, sniper point, then you are going against the archer way. Mm-hmm. If you are a troubadour and and uh and you don't tell stories, you're going against the troubadour way. The e the easiest one that I usually give out, because it happened in my last Earth Dawn game, I had a I had a guy, I allowed him to change the discipline because he was new to role playing as a whole and didn't understand, is he didn't know how to play a swordmaster. He never once wanted to be a showman. And I'm like, I don't care if outside of combat you're not a showman. You are required to be a showman. In in combat, You're required it's, to fight flashy. Yes, and I don't care if that's the first edition, Zor, uh, you know, swashbuckler style swordmaster. I don't care if it's the second edition stickmaster, where it's like you're just kind of mundane until you get into the fight, and then you're always tripping somebody or poking them on the back of the head, making them look like a fool. You're you're having a show, or the one I developed, which was the axe master, like the orc pro wrestler, just shaking on the thing, but he can control that axe to he can have it stop at the tip of your nose and have you crap in yourself because that's what he is but he's like a pro wrestler as long as you're a showman in the fight you can be a sword master but you have to be a showman in a fight think think about it this way i i, I just it just this was locked on to me uh the, the the fight between dooku and yoda they are but if you look at it on face value they are both sword masters but Dooku is more of the common swashbuckling swordmaster. He is flair. He, you know, he does his flair before and after the combat. He does cool little moves during the combat with swoosh and swash and stuff like that. He looks disciplined and practiced. And then there's Yoda. He's using a little crappy walking stick, walking around. And then suddenly when the fight starts, he's flipping and doing jumps and all over the place. Both of them are fighting, but both of them are doing it with flair. That's and, uh, a swordmaster. Doesn't matter what your flair is, but you got to do it with flair. Now, if you're a warrior, you got to fight, but you have to do it with teamwork. discipline. Now, is that teamwork? Is teamwork. that tactics? Is that whatever? It doesn't matter. Your warrior is your warrior, but you must have be purposeful in combat. Yep. So, uh, you use, point blank. Do it. I don't. I don't use those specifically. Uh, they give a couple different talents, if I remember correctly. Yeah, in, like in, in first edition, it doesn't really get into that in the core book. This, at all. this is an adept's way. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. in that's right, core book at all. Yeah, but if you go in the adept's way, it gives examples. 
basically e- examples of different types of warriors, different types of troubadours, different types of weaponsmiths that you could be. But these are just examples. They're not hard and fast subclasses. All right. Yeah, you can have imagination in there. It's up to you yes. to come up with the imagination to make it make it happen. Uh, but there are still. I don't want to call them limitations. This is the way I explained it to you guys, and some people don't like it, some people do. You're basically a Tibetan monk. You've lived this. It's not just what you do. It's what you are. Yeah. So, but that's that's a whole, <laughs> we're diving down a rabbit hole. We love Earthon. Can you tell we love Earthon? Yeah, um, so uh, I, again, I have an entire video series on, on the disciplines. I, I'm sure fourth edition has made some changes since then. I put it in a chat. I'll try to put it in the description below. You can check it out, see if it's for you. I hope it is, but like subscribe and share to this. And if you want heathen dog or myself, well, I've been had people ask me for years to cover more earth on, but if you want heathen dog in a segment two is to cover more earth on, let him know uh, other than that. I hope everybody has a great day. All right, that worked out. I think they I think they go beyond philosophies. Their lifestyles. Yes. Yeah, it's it's not a philosophy. It's it's a you have to also walk the walk. A philosophy yes. is you talk the talk, but for a disciplined character, you have to walk the walk and you cannot step away from your path. You you are on the path of the war. You step away, your magic stops. I gave out talent uh, uh, talent crisis like crisis. candy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. If if you if you stepped off, you get a warning. When yep. you do it again, you get you get smacked in the face with the with the proverbial frying pan. I remember but Al going off second. on me. No problem. Uh, so Garthon, he went off on me one time because at one point he was playing an archer, and I can't remember why he switched to an archer for a little bit. And like uh, Heathen Dog said, he uh, he decided to shoot into the woods and didn't know exactly or not in the woods. Another guy was. No, no, let me actually use a better example because that's a sniper point. The Beastmaster went to an animal and basically tamed it in order to kill it. Like, no, you can't do that. Like, that's right in there in the Beastmaster description. And I gave him uh, uh, one of the d- discipline violations. I gave him a talent crisis, and this dude was angry with me. I'm like, you can't go to a deer and be like, hey, deer, we're going to eat you now. So just come with me. Come with me. Come. No. No, that's not what the Beastmaster does. Uh, so, yeah, he didn't argue too much, but he was angry. <laughs> uh, oh, the, oh, I okay, call, okay, I get it, the philosophies. Yeah, I stay away from those. I, like, I know they're in the book, but I tend to stay away from those. I just say, look, this is what a Swordmaster is. How you play it from there, I may have covered them in my video. I, I don't even remember. Those videos are like four years old now. But uh, for me, it's like, this is what a Swordmaster is. You are a showman. I don't care if you're a showman 24 by 7 or if you choose just to do it in the fights. But there are two things I'm going to be looking for. That you're trying to put on a show and that you're not going for the quick kill all the time, especially when you know you can win. If you do those two things, then stay away from those two things. I'm generally pretty open-minded about how you play the class. But if you're always going for the quick kill, or you know you can beat somebody, or, or you're just like, oh, I attack again. No, no, no. You you got to put some effort under that. Then Swordmaster is not going to be for you. But I but I do get what you're saying. Those are in the book that you're talking about. So yeah. As another example, this is this one actually happened to me, where I had to play the what was it the horse the horse guy what was it the cavalryman cavalryman. <laughs> are you talking I, about I had, when you did I the had rope? To, I had to I had to role play being a cavalryman. And it was a detriment to another party member. Here's an example. All right. I was second circle. 
That's it. And uh, it was it was early on. It was my first character, and uh, an, uh, another player got his character into trouble. He's gonna be burned at the stake. You, you say, guys oh, only well, that second happens. circle no. then? I thought you were higher, but yeah. you might have been. No, yeah. I when when I died, I was third. Okay. Yeah, but what I did was I fired I fired an arrow with a rope attached to it. Or, 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 or the archer did. And I attached it to my horse and I pulled the log down and I was dragging him away from the village mm -hmm. that was going to burn him at the stake. Well, they started shooting arrows at me. And they were hitting the one horse. Of them, one of them hit my horse. And right there, I had to think, okay, hang on. Okay, time out, time out. I am a cavalryman. It says so in the description of my character that a cavalryman and his mount have a distinct and profound bond. Now, it was early days. We did not have a group pattern, which means I did not have a thread attached to this guy. That's fair, yeah. That I'm saving. If that were the case, I could make a valid argument that that connection made us more like brothers than not. So I would I would I would sacrifice my mount for him. That argument can be made. But that was not the case. I had a, by the book, profound connection with my mount. And by the book, not a profound connection to the character that I was saving. So what did I do? Pulled out my sword. I cut the rope and saved the mount. And, and from my perspective, both options would have been right. Being the hero, pulling him to, to safety through insurmountable odds absolutely would have been the right thing to do. At the same time, Stuart, I, I mean, to, let's be fair. You didn't really like the character either. Well, that, 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 was, that was immaterial to my thought process at the well, moment. Maybe, but I mean, I can rationalize that. It's like, you know, you weren't getting along anyway. Why am I going to risk my life for him? And no, no, you, not like my you life, said, my mount life. Well, fair. Well, your mount, you and your mount. But the, uh, uh, I, I can see that because you actually have more, I don't want to say passion because that sounds dirty, connection. but you have, you have, you definitely have a better connection to the mount. So if either way, either way that that went, I couldn't really argue with because it made sense. Even though I wish he would have been heroic, it makes sense for him to not. Um, a goblin rogue riding displacer beast is nigh unstoppable. Luckily, none of those exist in Earth Dawn. So uh, great. You can have that in, in your horrible D&D game that you just did. <laughs> Goblins are monsters, and they're riding other monsters. Kill them both. <laughs> you kill them both. Screw them. <laughs> yeah, now, uh, here, here's an example of, of how I would play an archer. This is just me. Okay? Just me. And you'd have to run this by your game master to make sure he agrees. But this is how I would run an archer, play an archer as an archer. I would say, once I make a decision, it, the, the decision point is the same thing as releasing my arrow. There is no changing course. There is no altering the path. There is a beginning of the arc and an end of the arc. And once I make the decision, I am locked in to the outcome. Now, how, how would I role play that? We're at a bar. There's a woman who's a, a barmaid who, who, who is getting, you know, groped on by another patron. And it happens enough to where like, no, I'm doing something. I get up and I now have a better view. And the, the, the person who, who is groping her is obviously stronger than me. 
Obviously. I can tell. Let's just, I don't know how. Let's just say Let's I can Just say he's built like a bouncer. Yeah, whatever. But when I got up, I made the decision to stop that. I can't change my mind. I've released the arrow of, of my decision-making tree. I now have to follow it to the conclusion. Stop it. I have to stop that abuse. And I will continue in that course of action because I already made the decision. Now, could that sometimes get the group into trouble? Yes. That's part of role-playing. Now, am, am I going to abuse that? Am I going to am I going to do it in an instance where it'll it'll most likely get a team wipe? I'm going to try and not make my decision at that point. I'm going to be indecisive, which I can be. But when I make a decision, I have to follow through. That's my way of the archer. That's the first edition archer. Second edition added exactly. in. So because it used to be us uh, at uh, arrows and targets, if I remember correctly, for first edition. Yeah. Uh, second edition changed it to the arc between the arrows and the targets, so there's yeah, more there, wiggle room in mud, there. Muddling, muddling the waters to to you know in, increase the the uh, the size of the tent that everyone can be an archer under. I hate that shit. No, <laughs> screw that. No, you have to you have to your way of life has to be like a bow and arrow in some fashion. In truth. some, it's fashion. All, archer's all about truth, knowing the target and hitting it, knowing the target yeah. and hitting it. Yep. There, because what what is the most important the two most important things in archery your arrow and the target when you boil it all down those are the two most important things in firing a fire shooting a target your arrow and your target i don't you know if it's know the first both. edition adept's way or the second edition way of the whatever those books were called but one of them sat down where the archer is like you don't want to know why i'm sitting down and talking to you it's the best way for me to get the result that I want, you know, the, the, or whatever it was that he needed, the, the item, the information he needed. So my arrow in this is to sit down and talk to you. My target the is to get the result. Direct route yep. to victory. Yep. That's another way of the archer. You can live by that. You know, direct rate, you know, A to B. Are you ready to look at some comments so that we can end sure. the show sometime today? Sometime today. <laughs> I thought I hey, I thought I liked the Earthdown content, and I hope you guys did as well. On Rumble, uh, guys saying this is officially my favorite TTRPG channel. So glad Rumble is a growing TTRPG streamer base. Well, thank you. Woohoo! Appreciate that. And uh, let's get let's get my little mug up there for commentary. All right, for segment three, as normal, we are going to look over YouTube comments. This is where Heathen Dog, if he wants to grab the link, can set the link out to folks. Uh, the rules for people if you're going to call in. Remember, this is like a radio call-in. Uh, check your audio and surroundings. I don't want to hear all types of nonsense in the background. We'll just kick you off if we hear it. Uh, get one question or comment related to segment one or two. So that means you can talk about anything Mutant Elysium. There you go. Anything Mutant Elysium lets you do that. Or Earth Dawn, Astral Absolutely. Space, uh, you know, maybe Magic, because that's in there as well. Uh, we'll respond. You'll get one follow-up to our response, and then you're out of here. Bye-bye, and watch the language. Don't get us kicked off of YouTube. That's my job, not your job. So, and let me get the link out to the other ones. You want to join us? Remember, don't have crap audio. That's something I've been really busting people's balls about recently is uh, bad audio. And so, nobody cared about this before. Well, I care in my streams now. So, uh, <laughs> so there we go. But uh, then let me present the comments here. Oh, I didn't zoom in on the comments, so, but that's fine. Zoom in in a second. here. There are the comments. And my God, I'm dying of hunger right now. Stream's over. I'm out. I'm going to go eat. Okay, so uh, this per with Palladium. We'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, thank you, per. Uh, that's from the Friday Night Chill stream. Oh, 
Okay, this is about something we talked about last year. That's oh, right. Wow. Catalyst Game tried to get rid of uh, the Rommel tank. Palladium just rocks. Where's... Oh, you weren't here last week. Oh, that's no, that I was wasn't. the problem. It's, it's going to be a lot of you and not a lot of me. Well, people don't comment about what I say. They always comment about what you say. Uh, how to create a character. Helpful vid. Thanks. You are welcome. Look at that. Glad it was helpful. I feel kind of lazy doing that, but uh, I see the face. Um, Okay, I have an issue with PC. It won't play fantasy because it's not 5e. Can fantasy be better than 5e with GM? What? I, I, can you read that slower? Yeah, let me let me zoom in on it a little bit better too. I, I don't know. I have an issue with a PC who won't play fantasy because it's not 5e. Okay. Oh, isn't this the guy that sent that message before that we? I think we talked about that. I could be wrong. Uh, can fantasy Marvel. be better than 5e with what's GM magic? No, no, no. Hang on, hang on. I have an issue with a PC, a player character yeah. who won't, uh, not, not player character, but a player. I have an issue with a player who won't play fantasy because it's not 5e. Yep. So the only fantasy he'll play is D&D 5e. That's yep. it. Got that. Can fantasy be better than 5e with GM magic? By GM magic, I mean, you know, game master. Oh, is, he, is this fantasy here meaning palladium fan? Okay. Can palladium yeah, his, fantasy his example be was palladium fantasy. Okay. And yes, palladium fantasy can be better, but the player has to, has to be able to let go of D&D. Okay, I'm gonna some people that. can't some some people can't be because they either like the lore they they like the d20 system they they like it too much and that means they just don't want to play other things and you know what let them play at another table all right but ask them to play at least three sessions three sessions with it with a, a different fantasy game if you still don't like it fine you know, we'll part our ways, we'll shake hands, you're good to go. But used Palladium as example. Palladium doesn't just have fantasy games. Palladium has lots of other games. After the Bomb, Robotech, Heroes Unlimited, Ninjas and Super Spies, Rifts. Rifts is kind of a fantasy, but it's also tech, so it's different enough to where that player's mindset could shift. Rips is everything. It's science fiction. It's fantasy. It's post-apocalyptic. It's yeah. modern day. It's slice yeah. of life. It's, it's bomb. It's everything in the kitchen sink. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yeah. Ooh, I got but uh, Palladium has has enough different feel of games. Even though they all use the same system, they all have a different feel. So if your player's problem is the fantasy feel is the five E feel for me, well. Maybe if you want him in your group, you don't play a fantasy game. You can play Beyond the Supernatural. You can play Nightbane. You can play all that stuff. If you want to play a different system, you can do that. Play Mage. Play Vampire. None of them are fantasy, but they have magical elements. They have supernatural elements. Different enough to where the player you're talking about can change his worldview. But similar enough that probably the other players who want to play fantasy are getting enough fantasy from it. Uh, in case anybody cares why I felt compelled to write a comment when I don't a lot of times, it's because he's got this little chevron here. He's a member. I'm going to give a member a little extra effort. So there you go. Else he could have just watched this video. Uh, so this is Hyperborea. Uh, so Riff's alone. Ooh, oh, this is where I was telling you before. What's that? Did you want me contact? To... I forgot to read that one. I mean, I've, I forgot to watch that video. Which video? 
Oh, oh, the, the one. Okay, the okay, one from last yeah. week. I, yeah. I watched the the, the biomechanics video and I because I was really interested in that, but I forgot yeah. to watch Con. Okay, no problem. Uh, so Marvel Rifter, uh, Rift's Lone Star. This is where I was giving you. You were asking for suggestions. Yeah, right. So much right. Lone Star. Now I would have done that this week, but I was on vacation until basically Thursday morning. I mean, I got back Wednesday night, but I, I was useless. I mean, I was traveling all day and I was useless, and so I I've never read Lone Star all the way through, so I couldn't prepare in just a couple of days. If you have time, if you can read the comments on some of these uh, shorts, I'm not going to do them here, but on your, uh, if you've got time, because I think more of them work for you than for me, because it's all riff stuff. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, be cool if player and GM could create new contacts. You can create new contacts, Ron. Um, I know he's played. He's played these uh, games before. So uh, as far as like the mutant stuff, you absolutely can create new contacts through role play. Yeah, uh, well, not only that, but I mean, you can look at what's lacking and just say, you know, it'd be nice if a contact would do this or do that. Or you could just change the name of a contact. Instead of a rich uncle, you could make it, uh, you know, just some other patron, some other benefactor of some sort. Yeah. But uh, I like the fact that he makes sure that we, gets a com- we get a comment on our less watched videos. So, And by the way, the Mutant series has done absolute crap for us. Like, nobody watches those videos, but, you know, it is what it is. Oh. The crafting gamer says, "I would have to say my favorite contact is the grandfather contact, right? Because the grand—I don't—I like I said, I didn't watch it. I don't know what that is. So the grandfather contact is like, ah, oh, Sonny, I'm sure I got one of these here for you. There you go. Just bring it back when you're done, and you damn well better bring it back when you're done. But you get an item. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, it's I, a, it's, it's the, 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 the old woman handing out Werther's candy to every, <laughs> everyone who walks into her parlor." But it's uh you know junk or bullets or whatever. Let me read this oh, one for you, bringing Mark Hawkman. Then because uh, this okay. one's kind of for you. Love your show and this statement. I added it to my podcast. Uh, I added it to my podcast. To give it more justice. Love your show. Thank you. P.S. Needs more co- coalition. So there you go. There's a there's a request for more coalition books. Do you have coalition manhunters? Because uh, if not, we need a physical to get book for it. Oh, because I, uh, I have the PDF. Or not? No, I'm sorry. Not. What's the new coalition one? The one that's relatively new. Is it Manhunters? Uh, I believe Manhunters is newer than Heroes for Humanity. Okay, that one's been like people really want you to cover the that whatever that newest one is, the one that came out okay. somewhat recently. So, like I already uh, did Heroes for Humanity, so it's got to yeah. be Manhunters. Yeah. Okay. And then go. Okay, go ahead and bring him in. Okay. Here we go. Hello, my uh, Hawkman. Hey. Hi. Um. So. As a general rule, how often would you put in um, threaded items that aren't actually meant for the players to have? Never. It, yeah, uh, the, the game master should never, ever give the players a threaded item that he is not willing to have them use at maximum ability because sooner or later they're going to. Because you're going to people keep their threaded items because they grow in power with them. So they're going to keep them forever. So you as a game master say, do I want him to have this item forever? If the answer is no, then you never give it to him in the first place. Also divvy them out slowly. You don't have to give people magic items right off the bat. No, uh, because they, one, like, not, most, most of them can't even use it till four circle anyway. Yeah, so fair. it's worthless to them. And it's wh- worthless. And by the way, that's a first edition thing. Fourth edition, everybody can use them at, at, at first circle, but he was, he was talking about first edition. Yeah, so, about first edition yeah. right. um, there, is, there are ways of unweaving that thread, but why? You put all that work into it, you know? 
Yeah, you spend all those legend points. Why would you want to? No, no one wants to give up magic items. No one wants to. Now, if you want, if if you want someone to throw away a magic item to kill a thread on it, if you give them cooler magic items, yeah. you can only have so many threads attached to so many things. Yeah, they they'll they'll say, well, I'm going to lose one to get this new one. Well, and a but, perfect a perfect example of that is you might have an item that only has three ranks on it, and then you find one that has nine ranks on it. Well, I want that one instead because right. it has it has a greater depth of power. Yep. Okay, great. You have to lose the first one though because you're at the maximum number of threads. Oh, okay. Then you can do that, but that's like shooting yourself in the foot so you don't have to go to church. You got to deal with that shot in the foot, which means you gave them a more powerful item to let them get rid of an item you don't like. Uh, that may turn on you, you know? <laughs> so as a game master, it's always a great idea to never give them a pattern item that you don't want them to have forever yeah. or that you're and, not okay with them having forever. And to be might. fair, you're not going to find too many out there that are game breaking because they're usually no. just plus ones and plus twos and maybe a weird ability every now and again, like an increase to a talent or, or to something you weren't planning on. Like, or wow, perception this check even social defense or something. Like, okay. But none of them, they build over time, but none of it's more of what the player play. You know? Yeah. They're, they're, none of them, none of the written ones are game breaking. Yeah. Now, if they make their own pattern items, you you and the player have to go behind the scenes to to arbitrate what powers it gets at what thread yeah. rank. And you have to give the OK. If you give the OK to something that bites you in the ass later on, that's on you. L live and learn. Mm. But he's probably going to keep it forever because not only is it a pattern item, he made it. It's his pattern item. Of course he's going to keep it forever. Well, yeah, no, no, please. No, as a game master, I'm sitting here, please give it up. Please give it up. Please give it up. All oh, the things I can do if you give that thing up. <laughs> you know, like, like, oh, you left your personal pattern item laying around somewhere? Oh. <laughs> well, someone picked it up and uh, they, 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 they fired off a, a magic debilitating spell through the thread that's connected directly to the heart of your pattern. Uh-oh. And that trouble. one you can't remove because that's core to you. Yes. You have to have the item to be able to be able to unweave that thread. If someone else is in possession of the item that you have a thread attached to, you are stuck with that conduit directly into the heart of your soul. That's yeah, not great. I, I would That's be a great. dick. I'd straight up be a dick. If you created that pattern item through and your you threw it away, I you, wouldn't you, even you, let you get, let you remove that thread. That thread you get, you get. Yep. You know, that's, that's it. That another mancher's looking at that going, Oh, look what's at the other end of this. <laughs> He's going to be right, what's your follow up there? Uh, not he, uh, Mark Hockman. Well, uh, one of the things I was pondering was like having NPCs using pattern items in general. They can, <laughs> yeah, they they absolutely can, but they have to have some way to access astral space, even on the, the lowest periphery level. They have to be able to access, which means usually ninety nine percent of the time, non disciplined characters cannot weave a pattern to a to a, a true pattern item they can't now there's common pattern items that don't require threads like uh like the one that makes makes campfires or uh yeah, stew not, or whatever i don't think they're called pattern items so i think no, they're, they're, just, they're, they're, they're they're called common magic items or something yeah, like something that, like that don't, yeah. don't require threads but anything that requires a thread attached to it if you're a non-disciplined character i'm gonna say 99 times out of 10 you're not gonna be able to have it but you're going to face a lot of disciplined enemies in your day. You're going to, and they're going to have pattern items that they are connected to. It's going to happen. Now, if you mm. kill them, 
and take their item, well, when they die, their thread disappears. And now you can just swoop in and put in your own. That is possible. But you'll have to learn the initial three knowledges. The name of the item, how it got famous, and the, uh, uh, shoot, I forget. Well, what, what, whatever. I mean, each one's a little what, what, Whatever yeah. the, the, the uh, top top three was that I, uh, I got it right here. Hang on. And, and the previous owner's dead and can't tell well, you. If so the, rules, points, the, the rules in which the pattern uses is affected by or interacts with magic. What it does. What it, what, it, what it does when it's magically powered. You learn all those three things, you can tie your rank one thread to it. Great. You get the weaponsmith to tell you the name. Oh, like, oh, you have found, I don't know why I always use Purifier, but that one's so fun. Uh, you have found Purifier. And uh, the person be like, wow, what's that mean? Well, let's go find out. You need to go find the key knowledge at the library of Thrill or wherever you guys are in the world. Um, but but he puts you on your way to get there. And to then get you find- those first three key knowledges, yeah. which are key to putting your lowest rank thread into it to actually connect it to your pattern and make it magically active. Yep. All right, my Hawkman. Thank you very much. All right. Oop. Okay. Um, so... I don't know if this RU killer or supposed to be Russia killer, but uh, either way, aim called shots and riffs can be difficult. However, when they hit, um, I have a problem with this comment. Why? Does this look like a riffs video? <laughs> yeah, not, he the dog even gets video. comments on my videos. <laughs> that's, that's great. I love it. Uh, oops, hell happened there. I hate how this works. Oh, we have we have a good chat chat question. Can a pattern become stronger if someone dies? Like, let's say a hero dies a legendary death. Yes. <laughs> you're, not yes. Going to, you're not going to do it, are you? It's the sacrifice, heroic sacrifice. Oh, yeah. For example. <laughs> oh, God. For example, if Max wanted to make my sword from, one, from my Calverman character magical, a pattern item, after I died, it is completely legit in yeah. the book, can be done. Here's what happened. It was a normal sword. I just used it to kill folk. That's what swords are for. But we were in a giant cave. A wyvern was attacking us. It was winning. There's no round. There's no. There's no way to say it. It, it was winning. It was going to win. So I'm a cavalryman. I have certain powers when I'm on a mount. And I said, "Hey, Max, what if, say, for for funsies?" <laughs> I mounted the wyvern when it swooped down to try and attack us. It's a Pegasus, could but yeah. I, could I direct it? Yep. He's like, well, yeah. Well, make your rolls, so but yeah. I, so I stepped on my horse, on my horse's yep. saddle, and when it came down, I jumped on top of the neck of the wyvern and I started trying to direct it away. It was fighting me, so I directed it into the wall, and at the last second, I flipped it. So I was hitting the wall and it was hitting me, but I had drawn my sword. I had placed the hilt on my chest and the pointy end between us. So when I hit the wall, my sword went straight into its neck. To be fair, he got an excellent success. Is either excellent or extraordinary? No. I forget which one. I got uh, I got extraordinary success extraordinary, because okay. I was rolling. Uh, I I was able to use karma on it. So I was rolling three dice. One of them was a 10 sided. I maxed out that 10 sided three times. Oh, wow. I don't remember that, but you probably did. (laughs) Oh, remember you you threw it across the room. It still rolled a 10. (laughs) All right. I threw my dice. I throw yours. (laughs) No, no. You, after the, after the second time I rolled a 10, you, you rolled it yourself. Oh, 
and then you got mad and threw it across the room and it still got a 10. So, uh, it was basically dead. I had, I had done like 35 damage to it. It was crazy. Done all kinds of, all kinds of damage to it. It was basically dead. I obviously died because the hilt was buried in my heart. So I was dead, dead. But because of my final act of heroism, Mm -hmm. because of that, if the troubadour made a song about me and my sword of destiny, then guess what? That thing could easily get a a name, be named a heathen dog sword of destiny. And it would be (laughs) a magical item that you could attach. Or a heathen dog sacrifice. Sword, sword of heroic sacrifice, whatever you want to call it. Now, the good thing is it would give you bonuses to in, die. No, 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 not, 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 not in the beginning levels. No, in the beginning levels, it would be bonuses to save people. But the final power would have to be something doing so would most likely sacrifice your life. But it would give you amazing bonuses to do it. Outstanding bonuses. But you would so, most likely die at the end. I thought you were going to go in a different direction with that. I thought you were going to talk about the heroic sacrifice where you can actually let yourself die, but uh, no, you no, basically that's, that's explode. The, the, <laughs> that stand or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, last it. Yeah, whatever it's called. I forgot what it's called. Um, one just pedantic correction to what he said, only because I'm being pedantic. His story is is right. I, I don't remember the die rolling thing, but it doesn't surprise me that I would have done that. Uh, is that was a Pegasus, not a uh, not a Wyvern, because the Wyverns oh, were the sorry. ones that killed Bob. But does doesn't matter. That, but, no, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I I, I thought okay. It's Pegasus. Fine. Either way, either way, it and, fell you know, on the top stories of stories about Pegasus are are not right. I mean, sure, we didn't have any pre prepubescent virgin girls around. Oh wait, those are unicorns. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but uh, he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy with it. No, no, no. He um, was very angry. It's funny because that was the same, not, not the same time, but that was the same mission where where Chris's character, after you had just went slice, or no, where he died, where he played that another mansion and died three times. Anyway, let's uh, let's get back to this here. But yeah, the thing is, is you have to remember, Earth Dawn is high magic. You can kind of do with it what you want. There's there's a formula to the magic. There are yeah. rules to each of the magic, like the threads. Uh, but you know, as uh, was it? Um, oh crap, I forgot his name already. He, he's a uh, point, 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 point. What the hell is his name? Well, sorry, what were you saying before? Uh, where you can you can manipulate karma to work a different way if you really want it to. I don't suggest you go in and bust up all the rules because there is that butterfly effect, but if you want to say, you know, Heathen Dog, that is such an awesome thing. You don't normally get karma with this attack, but I'm going to give it to you. Now, he was doing something where he could use it, but I'm just saying you can do things like that. Say, this is heroic. If you do it too much, you kind of take away... Take away the specialness of, of the thing. Now, normally, to use karma on any role you want, you have to do uh, uh, the the uh, death stand where where at the end of this act, you will 99% of the time just die. But you can literally use all of the magic in your body. I think you burn must it die. all up. Burn it all up to do whatever you want to do, which which makes whatever you want to do probably going to get done. Because you're going to be able to roll the hit and roll in the freaking 30s and 40s. Because of all the karma you can throw into it. But when you succeed, you're going to die. Yeah, you must die. I seem to remember you must die when you do that yeah, uh, sacrifice. Yeah, you're going to die. But you'll probably do that thing you want to do. Yep. But you're going to die after. It's it, it's very much like the only good part in Highlander 2. When, <laughs> when, uh, when Sean Connery's character 
you know, sacrifice his life to, to perform a telekinetic miracle. It's kind of like that. You're pushing so much magic through your body. You're altering reality. But the effect of pushing that much magic through your body at one time shreds your pattern to nothingness. And if your astral pattern dies, you die. Because apparently people can't get enough riffs. I'm going to give you this riffs one. Okay. So Cyberdoc is my first OCC that I choose in riffs, and I really enjoy using my crazy Wild West mercenary doctor. <laughs> sure, I'm not a powerhouse, but the what the Kremen? I don't know. Kremen Cyborg is really support. I don't know what that is. Um, I have been able to identify some loot, and I've been able to repair some cybernetics I found yep. broken parts of. So far, the great time. Yeah, you you are playing team player. classic, useful team member support. That is that is what you do, you know. If 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 you have if you have a a, a manhunter in your group, if 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 you have a, a a cybernetic cowboy or whatever in your group, you you are the 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 mechanic, and you keep them going. They're gonna they're gonna appreciate you, yeah, a lot. And that's a good game master to ensure yeah. that that's facilitated in the game. Yes, I I love it when 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 game masters let support characters shine. A failed role uh, gives a player the opportunity to role play the failure. Good role players will come up with interesting and funny fail. That that's the way exactly, Kevin uh, or that darn cat. Um, that's the way that uh, the Modifius freely games are set up, and it's one of the things I like about them. Um, it allows the player not more say. No, 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 no. Because the dice have the say. But, okay, so how did you trip and fall? Or how did you do this? Like, you get to dictate that. And if you can't, well, then the Game Master easily can do it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I like that player involvement there. On the secret roles, you didn't watch these videos, did you? No. Okay. On the secret, so one of the things was, like, uh, rolling a secret roll. So here's, here's a question for you. How do you roll the secret roll? Do you roll it for the player? Or do you have the player somehow roll it behind a screen? This is how this is the problem with Modifia. With Free League. Free League. With is this. You might want to push your roll, but you don't know if you succeeded or failed or not. I roll secretly, or you have to roll secretly, however you want to do it. Doesn't matter. But you don't but know. I the have to let you know if you succeeded nope. or failed. Nope. The game no, specifically says no, you you don't. You, you, you well, how, how are you how are you gonna make a decision to push the roll? Well, that that's that's the crux of the problem. So what, what happens is, is you roll and all the game master says is if you take any damage, which essentially means you agreed to push the roll. So the game master rolls and stares at you and you, do you want to push it? Do you not want to push it? Do you not? Yeah, that, no. that is a, no, that's broken. No, that doesn't work. That doesn't work B because there's too much ramification, possible ramification in, in pushing your role in in free league games like like the yeah. year zero engine that you have to make it as an informed decision or you can't make it at all so i would house rule this one part you succeeded but i would never say anything else behind succeed or fail you succeeded no, i would you say failed. you succeeded or failed do you want to push yep exactly that's that's how i would do it too as well um so anyway so the only person seeing the actual role was the game master Oh, I'm sorry. I had the players roll from the side behind. The, that, that this seems a little. I read this one already. It seems a little yeah, it, complicated for me. Steps. If 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 they can't see the dice, there's no point in them rolling. Stop it. There, there's just no point. Fair well, enough. I, some, I, I, I want them to feel like they're part of the game. They already are. Shut up. Well, some people, some players will also complain like, "Well, I didn't roll it, so you know, I knew the game master was going to screw me over." Well, okay. You know, well, you know what? R write down your complaint 
and put it in the circular file. <laughs> right, exactly. Ultimately, I'm with you on this one. If it's secret, I'm going to roll it. If it's not secret, go ahead and roll it yourself. Yeah, uh, but in, in, the, in the free league oh, game, if, if you, I will tell you if you succeed or fail because that is the bare minimum information you need to decide whether you want to push a roll. Yeah. So this is an oldie but goodie. <laughs> my humans versus humans. Um, I'm not going to read that, but thank you. Actually, I have read it up. I'm not going to read it out loud here. Uh, can you put up the link one more time for folks just to give them last call for alcohol? And uh, Pearl, that's right. Pearl was talking about the guitar. Remember when I was in a band in the Air Force? Well, that was when I had that intro on here. So, uh, Let's see. Coalition equal. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I covered this one last week. He needed a semicolon in here. So this one's for you. I'm going to read this one for you. Coalition okay. equals bad semicolon shifter equals good discuss there's really no discussion except that you have to discuss with the doctor how to get proper medication to fix your brain i i there's no other way to say it you know uh just on the surface the coalition protects humans the shifter puts humans in danger this is just, this is just fact this is just fact what? One of the things that I read, because uh, I went through some of the other forums and discords and sites and so forth, there are a lot of people out there who yell at Kevin and say that he needs to make the coalition more Bolshevik slash Nazi-esque. Because right now there's too much gray area for alt-right people to grab onto. Oh, boo-hoo. Oh, no. The, the world has layers. It doesn't fit in my box. Shut up, prissy pants. Well, these are the same people who think that if you like coalition at all, that that you're an alt right extremist, which is hilarious to me because he likes the coalition more than I do, and uh, he's definitely not right of me. I'm I'm definitely more progressive than he is. Yeah, by far, Generally, by far. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that that's that's kind of funny that that comes up. My thing about the coalition that I've said a hundred times, and I'll say it a hundred one times, is I understand how something like the coalition can come to power. And if I was a gen generic, let's say me. I'm a generic civilian. I have no superpowers in real life. I just want to have my house, have my wife, have my stuff, you know, and just live in peace without DBs trying to eat me all the time. I absolutely, what, I just have to not read? Well, that sucks, but you know what? But you know what? The All the computers are pictographs. I'm good. Yeah, like like I, I can understand it. doesn't mean I agree with it. It means I understand it. And maybe, you know what? I will pick that security over freedom. And you can use all the little Ben Franklin cliches that you want. I'm just saying human nature, look at the pandemic, has gone towards that coalition more than they've gone towards yeah. ultimate freedom. Safety and security has trumped freedom for the last 70 years almost every time. The hell, 7,000 years, you know? <laughs> well, there, there, was, there was a time in the in the... 50s and, and early early 60s where i would say the the general thing was more freedom at the expense of security is okay maybe before in america after, but i mean the, the world I'm, I'm talking humanity and world oh humanity as yeah. a whole okay i'm talking yeah. about america because i'm not i'm not familiar with humanity as a whole to that extent <laughs> but uh but uh yeah uh most most people especially when when the when the outside situation is dire like say i don't know in riffs that they would pick security and safety over freedom every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. That's the normal folk would do that. Unless you are strong enough to protect yourself, you will gravitate to towards those that will protect you instead. Yeah. 
That's just people how human nature works. I mean, people, I mean, I wouldn't even call it selfish, but people have self-preservation. They want to live. Yeah. And if something like the coalition is going to go around and pretty much guarantee your survival, I, I understand its existence and why people would want to live under it. Do yeah. I, from the outside, an umbrella looking down, see the coalition as being good? No. Do I, as a civilian, sit in the coalition and go, you know what? These are the bad guys. I should probably do something about that. Hell no, because I'll be shot by a Samus suit within like five seconds. I don't care how. Look, there's a, there, you know, again, not trying to be political here, but there's a video out there. Dr. Jordan Peterson talks about you would be a Nazi. No, I wouldn't. Watch that video. And if you come out of that still saying you would be a Nazi, I'm not going to say you're a better person than me, because I think we all want to be the right person, we all want to be the hero that we portray in these games. But sometimes life dictates another path. Yeah. The, the path of the survival of you and your family dictates that, that you tow the line on this one. And guess what? You're going to tow the line on this one. Yeah. At least how it works. Be silent, you know? Yeah. Or shut the hell up and let it happen because not just you, but your entire family will be, will be homeless, penniless or killed or all three. Yep. Guess what? You're shutting the hell up. And on that I'm happy sorry, note, man. not not everyone's an actual hero, man. That's not how, that's not how it works. Hero would not be special if everyone could be one. Yep. So on that happy note, I think uh, we're done. We'll give Heathen Dog some time for words of wisdom here. But while he's thinking those up, I do want to say that I have not decided yet. It's about a 50-50 chance, kind of leaning towards a little towards less than 50 now. But there might be a Tuesday live Tuesday evening live stream. I'm off work this week. Tuesday's my birthday. I might want to get drunk and talk to you guys. I don't know. If not, then we might push it to uh, Friday as a normal Friday rando stream because Victor's birthday is Saturday. And it will be Saturday his time because he lives in Europe. So we'll celebrate my birthday and his birthday at the same time i don't know we'll find out though but uh but we'll figure that out so uh all right let me put the end thingy on here get heathen dog all teed up for his words of wisdom and then we're gonna head out and i want to thank everybody look at that it's all on the screen there for you i want to thank everybody for being here i appreciate that all right well at the end of this stream we were talking a little bit about uh, what people should do what people can do and what people want to do and we talked about safety and security in a fascist environment we we talked about uh you know heroes doing heroic things changing the world which is what what patterns and pattern items do not everyone is made to do that in real life i mean sure you you can play a hero in a game any game you want video game role-playing game whatever you can do that but in, in re if, if you're trying to equate real life and role-playing games either from real life to role-playing games or role-playing games to real life that does not fly at all not everyone can be a hero they can't in the game they can't there's always got to be the, the the peasant the the, the regular guy the, the joe schmo that's your job to protect as the hero great in real life people are going to act like frightened little animals because that's what they are they are not strong they don't believe themselves to be strong so they cannot affect the world believing you can affect the world is the first step to actually doing it. 